0: The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of WickDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wicked Nuggets, Fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wicked Ba da ba ba ba. Go!
1: And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.
0: This is a more than just podcast production.
1: Welcome to SpotCast, Season 4, Episode 37. My name is Tim I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mr. Saga, Ontario. Mr. Saga? Mr. 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 Saga. Saga Ontar- Mr. and Mrs. Saga, Ontario. Hello. And we're also joined by Jaime Lopez, Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Didn't mess that one up. Oh, I guess I did. No, I thought
0: somebody was going to say, like, Mr. Saga, that's my dad, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <laughs> you don't have to call me Mr. Saga. Yeah, exactly. Only, my, only they call my dad, Mr. Saga. All right. Anywho. All right. So, digging in. We got some fact check. A uh, bit of a spoiler for today's show, but uh, we were talking about last week about uh, the character who plays, or the woman who plays Rene Picard, and it's Penelope Mitchell is the correct name of that person. Hmm. And I had mentioned everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, apparently, people I know have seen it. I don't know how. But uh, because apparently, I don't know, maybe it's in the US, but in Canada, it's only in theaters April 1st and across like in select theaters in April 1st and then across Canada, April 6th, which is means so like, you know, tomorrow as we record today on the 31st of March coming out in Canada and some places and whatever. So maybe it's been playing in the States already or something like that. Or was it Sundance or something? Or does anybody know? Nobody
2: knows. Nobody cares. I yeah. Care. I, I saw your your fact check and assumed that was correct. I have seen a couple articles as I've been going through uh, entertainment news this week that have been highlighting it as it's, you know, coming, but I haven't seen anything else.
1: So do you know who's in it? Michelle Yeoh. But yeah. this guy was on, I want to say Jimmy Fallon last night. Not, not Fallon, not Jimmy Kimmel last night. The guy who played the kid in the second Indiana Jones movie is now... An adult.
2: Oh, yeah. Kehi Kwan? Yeah, the guy from the
1: Goonies. And the Goonies, yes. He's one of the the stars of this thing. So he was talking about his whole, you know, how he got into the Goonies and how he got into uh, Indiana Jones. And it was supposed to be his brother who was auditioning. (laughs) And uh, he was coaching him from behind the camera. And they sort of said, you know, let's get that kid back in here. Hmm. Next thing you know, he's flying off to Asia to shoot, right? Hmm. Anyway, um... Yeah, so well, I think we kind of knew this, but uh directing last couple of episodes of this episode that we just watched and the last week's episode was none other than Howard the Ducks
2: Leah Thompson. This episode is in the one we just watched. Yes, we that, just watched this. That one. was not by Leah Thompson. She she did the she did the two previous ones. This one was this one was Jonathan Frake's. Anyway, yeah. So She was in this episode. We'll get to that. She was
1: in this episode, yes. But, but I was I was try- just trying to say, like I, I don't know why I called it Howard the Duck. I really don't give a hoot. But, you know, I just thought... Hey, was so hey. Bitter. It's I don't give a quack. <laughs> All right. Fine. Yes. Anyway. So she was on the... Uh, well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. So there we go. And, um, yeah, sad news. Um, Taylor Hawkins uh, died at 50 years old. Drummer from the Foo Fighters really sad. We had tickets to see them play. And of course that's all canceled. And yeah, so a yeah, really great drummer, great guy, funny guy, but yeah, tragic, tragic loss for
2: rock and roll. And yeah. That was uh that was a real stunner. I'm, you know, to, to have somebody who's so vibrant and so young go was, yeah, really, I think caught a lot of us by surprise. And um, yeah, I mean, the Foo Fighters have just been part of pop culture and, and everything for, I mean, since the ninety mid nineties, right? Like it's well, it's they were
1: a- they were doing their twenty fifth anniversary tour because it was actually the twenty sixth anniversary because they they had to put everything on hold because of COVID as well, right? So yeah, yeah. sad, sad news. Anyway, yeah. There you go. No, that's sad news. And 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 you know, sucks for Dave Grohl because like it seemed like Taylor was his, you know they were always the two guys you know fronting the band and on talk shows and stuff like that, right? So
2: yeah, I mean, he was probably the best yeah. known. Member of the Foo Fighters inside of Dave, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, when we saw them last, uh, you know, you and I and, and uh, Xavier mm-hmm. went to see them last, he was, you know, as much the star of the show. He got out there yeah. and was the front man for some stuff, and Dave sat in, sat in on the drums, and yeah. he really, uh, he really was very um, big presence. It'll like it, it's still taking a little while to process that, uh, that he's yeah. gone, especially at such an age. I mean, geez, what a shock.
1: Hmm, and it's always a shock when somebody like just out of the blue, like you just so and so died. Like, well, you know, like the the singer from NXS, and he just suddenly
2: yeah, he's just one gone. Day,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, and and that uh, like the cook guy, um,
2: uh, a couple of years ago, Anthony Bourdain. Oh yeah, blue, yeah, you know? you yeah. Know? Well, I shockers. Mean... Yeah, and in those cases, obviously, you know, there was, there was suicide, mental health issues, and, and those are always really surprising because they seem like people who sort of have it all. In this case, you know, they're still... I haven't seen anything about a cause of death so far. Um, yeah,
1: and other problems was it was in, you know, down south or something like that. Oh, they were in Colombia. So, yeah.
2: They're yeah, they were in, uh, yeah, down south America.
1: All right, and uh, so Apple beat out Netflix for the first um, streaming movie Oscar. No, Best Picture. So, Best picture, sorry, best picture. Well, because yeah, you know, I was
0: like confused. I was like, no, there's no way. I thought Roma got it. it was like, Oh, they got best director, but not best picture.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But they, they, I mean, best picture is sort of the 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 moniker of of the Oscars. That and best director, right? So,
0: yeah, and they're quite often one and the same. Although I guess yeah. the last few years have sort of broken it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. It's like they're trying to spread things out so that they get multiple nods. But I, I don't understand how you get a best picture without a best director. It's it's like saying this was an amazing achievement. Too bad nobody did anything for it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it I also depends. think it's true. They do it because you know they're like, well, look, this is the best picture. but we don't want to give it to the director, right? Like, um what we should be saying is Academy Award-winning director Benjamin Affleck. But instead, they said, "All right, well, the movie
2: was the best, but you weren't the best director." It's like, really? Are you sure about that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's nonsensical in its way, but yeah. I mean, Jane, yeah. and the thing is, in so many of these circumstances, it's a, it's a like a lifetime achievement thing. Like Jane Campion, I have not seen the movie, but you know, a lot of people were saying Power of the Dog was, you know, not Jane Campion's best film, but that she's done so many great films that that it was sort of her turn to get an oscar which is such a strange way to view these things but apparently that's how some of these things work in the voting for these these awards so
1: well it's like we said yesterday last week you know there were 10 movies that were like the top grossing movies and yet all of the movies that were voted for best picture were none of those movies yeah right so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like what is what is the criteria like I'm sorry, if you're producing a movie and you, you know, you get, like, lots of bank from it, I'm pretty sure you're going to be pumped about that. You know, getting an Oscar, an Oscar does help with movie sales and stuff like that, but, like, doesn't help with the initial box office, right? You know, so, I mean, it does, it does sort of create a long tail, you know, sales opportunity for you if you get an Oscar, but, or any any Oscar, really, you know, Mm -hmm. because then you get to advertise that, but...
2: Well, wow, But that's yeah. that's why they upped the category to 10 nominees and everything else. One is to appease people who are ticked off yeah. that The Dark Knight didn't get nominated when it was clearly one of the best pictures of that year. And two was to uh, – it's just something you can slap on a DVD package or on an advertising campaign to say it was Oscar nominated or this many people were nominated for it or it was nominated for 12 Oscars. Uh, that's, that's the campaign, right? Like Dune won the most Oscars at the Oscars the other night. It was nominated for the most, and it won the most. I think it won seven, but none of them were in the glamour categories. It's not best picture. It's not best director. It's not best actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. So it sort of feels down tier, but they can say winner of seven Academy Awards.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but and coming back to your earlier point, it's kind of like saying, you know, this painting is great, but this painter is not the best painter, you know?
2: Well, is owning a Picasso the same as owning, like, one of his seminal works? You know what I mean? Like... Oh, yeah, you can't afford his
1: seminal works. Like, that's the thing, though, right? Yeah. Like, but but you're right. I mean, like, like you know, can you vote for Van Gogh as the as the best, like, I mean, I suppose, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but, you know, Picasso is probably the best painter of the 20th century, but, like, I don't know that necessarily one of his particular individual paintings is, like, the best painting of the 20th century, you know? Or even mm. on that year, as it were. Like, and that's kind of sort of, I don't know, it's it's kind of tough, like you said, like it's the artist and the art, right? Which we're gonna get into in a minute, I think. Yep. Hopefully hopefully not. But
2: <laughs> um the problem with this is that it's also it's it's the inherent problem with awarding art. You know, balancing them against each other. How like how arrogant are are we to say that one film is better than another film that one one person is more worthy their performance is more worthy it's it really it, it is a bit of a, a house of cards when you start you know messing around with it it just collapsed pretty fast you're like you know what what kind of nonsense is it to judge these people against one each other like one another it's it's just kind of crazy
1: well yeah that's true and i mean and if you think about it like movies as a general as an art form it's it. They're so diverse. I mean, like we all tend to like, you know, we all because of our, you know, because we we're on a sci-fi podcast, we tend to like, you know, things with sci-fi in them. But that's not to say that I can't watch Power of the Dog and and like it. Like I was going to say about Coda in particular. My review of Coda was, I'm not crying, you're crying. Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it, it's a tearjerker, right? In a lot of ways, right? Um, but it's just, you know, it's it's a coming of age teenage. Story. I mean, like I, I talked about one a couple of weeks ago called Beans, which is the same, same plot but completely different execution, right? So, mm. and you almost, almost learn how to sign watching this movie. It's it's so funny, right? So I don't know if you, have you guys seen the movie at all or you plan to see it. I don't have Apple TV Plus, so I haven't seen it. But but that's that's a me
0: problem. Uh, the thing I do like about this. um that avoids some of the, like, literally nobody saw this movie problem that sometimes the best picture award has, is that that's not true, I think, because it's on something like an Apple TV Plus, right? It's a lot more accessible. Even if people didn't see it sort of organically when it started getting Oscar buzz, pretty sure a lot of people watched it. When it, you know, won the best picture, I'm pretty sure many more people decided to watch it. So I Hmm. I think that is pretty nice to have the Accessibility versus oh here was some weird art house film that was only at Sundance or something right. So
1: Well, I mean that's an interesting point too because the thing about it is is like in order for in order for it to get votes, it gets voted by the Academy, which is like, you know, a, an insider club. It's not like you and I get to vote like a like a like the Nintendo Awards, whatever they are, the people's choice, right? This is, these, like, they have to make, however it's possible, they have to make this movie available to all the people in the Academy. So whether they gave them a streamer or gave them a special access, I mean, that doesn't mean that everybody in the Academy would necessarily
2: have to have Apple TV, but... You know, if it's only like, you know what I mean? No, they have a secure site. That's how they they used to send out screeners. Now they just have a secure site where basically, and if you're a member of the Academy, they just put stuff onto the secure site. So that's what I'm saying. Like Apple would have
1: made it accessible to them. And Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, and TCM is going to show it. Like TCM does an Oscar run every year, you know, where they they replay. That's why I watched The Sting a couple of weeks ago. I think I talked about, right? Mm Mm-hmm um you know because it because it was during the oscar run right and and so in five ten years or whatever coda is going to be on tm or tcm you know like turner's going to make it happen somehow right Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Or, yeah, I wonder if a, I wonder if the exact movies will ever end up on a Blu-ray or something like that. You know, wouldn't that be interesting?
2: The um, other thing worth mentioning about CODA is that Troy Koster, uh, Kotser, rather, won for Best Supporting Actor, True. and yes. he yes. Uh, was the first male, uh, deaf male, to win um, uh, that award. But it was also interesting because he apparently was very actively involved with the the Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian uh, the sign language that they the Tuscans use, he actually developed that and was oh, actually wow. in costume as a as a Tuscan in the show. I didn't know that till oh, this week. Uh, cool. a couple of the blogs that I go to were like big win for sci-fi. I was like, wait, what? But apparently yeah, yeah apparently Troy was very um very instrumental in developing that that sort of non non ASL sign language that the Tuscans used. Oh yeah, you know, quick quick uh, sort
1: of sidebar, um, and uh, and pr- I probably should have caught this in the in the fact check. But what was the name of the actor who played the punk on? last week oh, Kirk, Kirk Thatcher Kirk yeah. Thatcher Kirk Thatcher. Kirk Thatcher is a muppeteer.
2: Yeah, and I, he's I directed
1: I saw, a number of movies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: I saw that he's apparently he was actually an associate producer on Star Trek 6. He's been behind the camera like behind the scenes doing movies for 35 years. And I didn't realize how they just pulled him in for that role in as a kind of a, you know, a joke and, and an inside kind of thing in the 80s and they pulled him back out for this bit yeah, as well yeah. but, but apparently he's yeah apparently he's quite involved
1: in the industry yeah he wasn't he wasn't so much a nobody so just here's like so I, you guys haven't seen coda right so no. so i'll tell you that so you know, I, we we analyze things on this show we we kind of like we scratch our heads and wonder why things are the way they are and 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 i can see why you know like in, in retrospect but i kept thinking you know she keeps she sings right and of course her parents cannot hear a single word right mm-hmm and so they go to a high school or high school performance, and they're sitting in the audience, and they're looking around at the audience people, and they're talking about like, you know, did you put the, did you close the dog, did you let the dog out, and did you could buy butter, and to each other in while they're sitting in their seats using sign language, while these kids are on stage singing, right? So that's sort of a funny moment, right? But they kept looking around to see the audience's reaction to sort of gauge how well she was singing, because they, they thought she's going to get up there and like make a fool of herself, and whatever and they'll just be here like as parents do to support them right but you know she was obviously a very good singer the actress is a very good singer and um so she was you know in the story she she blows them away but i kept thinking about this like you know she's singing she knows her parents in the audience she signs to them all day long right on at work like she helps them fish on their boats and stuff like that and when she's doing her big audition to go off to school you know the parents sneak into the auditorium and it's not until then that she realizes that they're there that she starts signing the song she's singing, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, cause it, but you know what I mean? Like like things that bug you in the plot. I kept looking at her going, like, why why is... Like, this person can have a conversation with you and sign, like, on the fly. Like, she's that talented as a, as a signer, right? Why is she not doing this? And then it's not until the very end of, you know, spoilers that she starts doing the... You know, signing as she's singing, right? So
2: yeah, I would imagine that it's it it could be challenging though to to if you're really focused on your performance to do both, right? I guess that's you're supposed to infer that she doesn't do that because it's it's harder to focus. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, but yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but having done played music myself, I know you can you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you've played something or sung something enough times, you can. You know run around and act like an idiot while you're doing it, right? So I think having personal experience of that.
2: Hey, speaking of acting like an idiot...
1: Yeah, speaking of that, Jaime, what were you thinking? I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) So I don't know about you, but so of course, you know, I went to see a movie called The Batman while this was on. So I PVR'd this moment. So I didn't watch it live or... No, I think I kept... No, I didn't watch it live. I watched it on... I was watching it on, on PVR, and so I'm fast-forwarding through the commercials and stuff like that, and, and all of a sudden, I just, I don't know why, I just picked up my phone and started looking at Twitter, and I saw, all of a sudden, I saw, here's what happened on Japanese TV that got bleeped. Because I hadn't got to that part of the show yet, right? It was, like, coming up to it. And, of course, you know, on Japanese TV, because the the commentators are speaking in, in Japan- Japanese, they don't know what Will Smith is saying, right? So, I don't know, maybe you were under a rock last week, but... Um, you know, the the moment was that, that Chris Rock came out on stage to introduce and, and doing, you know, the kind of thing that Ricky Gervais started and Tina Fey and, and Amy Poehler have done as well, you know, making fun of, of the, the stars in the audience, you know, as a sort of point of humor, makes a comment about Jada Pinkett Smith, which seems to go over well, like it's just sort of a funny ha-ha-ha. Well, it was kind of and an awkward
2: ha-ha-ha, they... but still. Yeah, but,
1: but and it's you know I I don't I don't know what happened because like the way it, I don't know maybe it was the way it was cut or whatever but but yeah and all of a sudden you know you see Will Smith walking up onto the stage and like and smacks Chris Chris Rock across the face right and mm-hmm. uh, and then sits in his chair and starts swearing at him about you know not mentioning you know Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, name right so anyway so that you know that that's kind of what happened um it's an odd thing and we're going to talk about this uh, separating the artist from the art because you know I think we're all f- fans of will smith and some of his movies and there's been some jokes on late night tv at, at his expense as a result of this but um the uh the you know the fallout is is that yeah he i mean on live tv he acted completely inappropriately yeah you know like to the point where like you know he could have been charged he could have been barred from the academy he could have like he was asked. He, he, to still, lead, he still could
2: be barred for the from the academy as That's a result.
1: That's true. This is this is kind of like a cross... like behind I mean, the cocky equivalent of a hit from behind or a cross check or well, you know, it was a sucker like punch. A, I mean, after the play, Rock yeah, had exactly. his hands
2: behind his back because he thought that he uh, what he probably thought was I told the joke, it didn't go over well. Will's going to come out and like you know say into the microphone like you know that wasn't funny or you're an idiot or or, or just something to sort of. You know, diffuse it. Yeah. Diffuse it. Or, or mm-hmm. even to, to sort of, even to correct him. Even if it came up and was just like, that's not funny or don't talk about my wife or whatever. But Rock was not expecting it at all. So he basically hit a defenseless man. <laughs> he yeah. He did take a punch pretty well, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you see the, it like, he, he whacks him and there's no attempt to defend himself. There's, he had no anticipation it was coming. Yeah, exactly. And so, so the funny thing, the thing about
1: it is, and Carol made a point too that what, will smith should have done was if he was that upset about it he should have challenged chris rock by like saying i don't think that was an appropriate thing to say
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know but obviously yeah so i mean anyway so that's you know he lost control but he you know um he disappointed a lot of people a lot of a lot of his fans i would think anyway so what do you what do you have to say about it
2: i may i may jump in there buddy i I, (laughs) i'm gonna gather my thoughts there there's
0: a lot to unpack. What's a little unclear to me is how much Chris Rock knew going into this, because I feel very differently from a, you know, he had no idea about the alopecia. Yeah, there's, I didn't either. So I can't see that. Yeah, There's a difference between knowing nothing about it, uh, maybe casually like, oh yeah, I think I saw that on Instagram. And then it's been three months. So you kind of forget it if it's not like you live and breathe, that sort of thing. And then there's, you know, continuing along that spectrum is, you know, very solidly knew about it, and then there's sort of the the wild card of like, you know, uh, decided to wing it because I'm pretty sure that was not part of the script. You know, we're pretty sure he decided to to improv there and, and got himself into some trouble. So there's that, and then there is the the very strange reaction from Will Smith, where you know he does sit there and laugh, and then you know his wife is not acting. Um, Uh, uh, along with it and what we don't what we critically don't see is at what point did he change his mind on what was happening there yeah because he was chuckling along too yeah whether you you believe it's a real one or not he was not immediately enraged and then ran up there to to hit this person so there's a uh, a a lot in that missing you know 10-ish seconds or so that i very much would like to see alternative angles
1: well, and there's also the other side of it too. Is we don't know if there's any history between these two, right? Like,
2: like do they even know each other? They, like, they do. Are... They have worked together in the past. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, and they and they would have run in in similar circles, obviously. I mean, these are we're talking about two of the most high-profile African-American performers of the last thirty years. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's inescapable. But. I mean, so this obviously was just a disaster from from top to bottom. I mean, there are people who criticize, you know, Chris Rock saying, well, his joke was inappropriate. There are obviously people who are critical of, of Will Smith's reaction. There are people who are critical of the Academy's reaction. There are people who are critical of the, I mean, Jim Carrey came out the other day and was lambasting the audience by basically saying, like, giving a standing ovation to Will Smith for winning the Oscar. 20 minutes after this happened was an embarrassment for all of Hollywood um, it's hard not to not to agree with that I mean you know you just witnessed something so um, off-putting and unpleasant and violent and you're still showing this person love for this for this honor that he won that had you know obviously don't have anything to do with each other but how do you separate the art and the artist right like in the act and the artist Um I think the most disappointing thing for me is that, you know, b- beyond obviously, there is no excuse for solving these issues with violence. And there's no excuse for solving them like that. And you know, I mean, think about you know, we we like the next day, nobody was talking about Coda, nobody was talking about all these amazing performers. You know, it should have been the the pinnacle of all these performers' lives to have had this honor, and and nobody's talking about any of that stuff. They're just talking about this incident. So he he spoiled this for so many people, and again, it comes on the heels like you know, he won for for portraying the Williams sisters' father, and. Not only did they, they got this sort of public embarrassment after Jane Campion stuck her foot in her mouth at the director's or the, the um, I can't remember which awards it was recently before this, but then now the second award show in a row, they've gotten basically, people aren't talking about the Williams sisters and how they overcame and what their father was like or anything else. They're just talking about Will Smith and this behavior and everything else. So it, it really, it diminishes the moment but it's also extremely upsetting because you know as i just said these are two of the most high profile african american performers of the last 30 years i hate the idea that there are narrow minded people who are going to look at this and say well there you go those two black men were fighting and, exactly, and that's yeah. you know that's emblematic of the behavior of black people or anything that could be read into that like that's it's so upsetting to see that that you know you know, it's going to be perceived as a, as a you know, black on black violence thing, which is, it's so upsetting that, that that can be misread that way. And and you know that there are narrow-minded people all over, especially America, who are doing that. Uh, I just, it really, the whole thing just leaves a bad taste. I mean, I, I said, you know, like, I, I, I actually got home, because obviously we were a little closer to the theater, so we got home and actually watched it live, and then I'm, I'm lucky enough that I can actually lip read. So when they bleeped it out here in North America. Oh, you didn't have to be the good expert at lip reading to read that. Oh no. But I mean, like in the moment I was like, oh, he just said what he said. And my wife said, really? And then they, they, he repeated himself and I'm like, no, that's exactly what he just said. And you know, I I watched and I watched for a few more minutes and I just said to my wife, like, I'm not going to watch this show anymore. Like I, I'm sure there's going to be more and there's going to be whatever, but I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. I don't like the Oscars at the best of times. I found that they really have lost their luster over the last number of years. They've become, uh, you know, I mean, beyond the Oscars too white and so many other issues that there have been with the way that they decide their awards. I mean, really, it's, it's just, it's a Hollywood event voted by Hollywood about Hollywood. Like, it has no connection to reality or, you know, like... We've obviously we've talked in the past about how you know they pay lip service to you know popular movies. They don't recognize performances uh, that are you know necessarily great just because they look down upon you know the 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 you know the the Marvel movies, the sci-fi movies, and stuff like that. Like they're not art. You know, I just I have a tough time with the Academy Awards writ large. But this is just yet another stain on what has become an increasingly nonsensical and and. Pointless thing, and I and again, I, I just fundamentally have a bit of a problem with the idea of, of pitting art against art. Like it's strange. I mean, obviously we compare art, but we're comparing art, you know, with the hope of a, you know, spurring discussion. Not like and you get a gold statue and you don't. Like it's just uh, the whole thing just leaves a really really bad taste. And and as you say, it's for me it tarnishes. Will Smith forever. Like, uh, you know, I have enjoyed him as a performer for, you know, most of my life. Will and I are about the same age. I've always enjoyed his work. I haven't loved every movie he's ever done. I've enjoyed everything I've ever seen him in. But then, you know, that's true of any artist. But I don't know that I could look at him the same way without thinking, like, was he always unhinged? Is this something... Lately, is it his relationship with his wife? It, you know, obviously, you know, there is the backstory of of you know the, the the book that he wrote last year and the challenges in their relationship and all of the different factors. It just it's it's so upsetting. It like you know, we we were talking obviously we've talked about artist versus art in the past, we've talked about the Woody Allens we've talked about the Pablo Picasso's we've talked about the people who are, you know, doing these awful things. You know, but can you still reconcile how great the art is? I'm having a tough well, time. Yeah, it's like like
1: I like Baby Driver. I can't I, I love the movie. I yeah. love the director, but I can't watch the movie
2: anymore. Well, Kevin of... Spacey has ruined more than a few movies. But that being said, yeah. you know, yeah, how am I, like can you watch any Kevin Spacey movie? Like LA Confidential is an amazing movie. Can you watch LA Confidential? Kevin Spacey's got a big part in it. Yeah, and same with uh same
1: with Seven, right? Like, you know well, um Yeah. I mean, like, like, like those kind of things, but like, like he's clearly grooming the kid in the, in the movie, which is what I, which I I take, you know, offense to fall. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Particularly that. Yeah. It, it's tough. I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, I have the same problem with Billy Bob Thornton, not because of, I mean, I used to sort of like his movies. I couldn't figure out what it was. I didn't like about him, but you know, when he blew up at John, John Gomeshi of all people, <laughs> On on you know national radio live, I was wa- I was listening to that episode when it was happening, and and I just my jaw dropped, and you know yeah, um you know and and it's been replayed on on because uh, they filmed Q at the same time, but it, um, it's been played back and and again it's sort of like now now I just anything that has Billy Bob Thornton in it, I just don't watch it.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. It, it will be really interesting to see what the outcome is. We talked about how you know, obviously, one of the thing that has been discussed is that you know he could face you know expulsion from the academy. He could. It seems like he's going to be able to keep the award that he won, which you know, okay, fine, you you won the award in a in a competition that had nothing to do with this event.
1: He could. It would be nice if he could follow in the footsteps of Sidney Poitier and and Denzel Washington, right? Like the only other two African-Americans who have won that particular award, you know? And, and, and yeah, like he's, uh, you know, just like Trump set America back, you know, 50 years, he's now set, you know, that struggle 50 years.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully we can view this in the context that which it was, which is somebody who is clearly having some, some mental health struggles. Is this Tom, Tom Cruise jumping on the couch or Fawn's jumping the shark, you know, like... I mean, it's hard not to th- think that, but then you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know how Hollywood works. I mean, Mel Gibson was nominated for a freaking Oscar after being you know revealed to be a misogynist, and anti-Semite and and all these things like I I can't watch Tom I can't watch Mel. Mel Gibson movies anymore for the same reason. And I used to be a big fan of his, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, again, art artists, you know, there there will probably come a time again where I might be able to sit and watch, you know, L- Lethal Weapon Two and and be able to divorce who he was from the performance in the moment, but I'm not there yet. I mean, it's funny. They were going through the list of people who have been actually removed from the academy. And oh, yes? the list was Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, Bill Cosby. Yep. I'm, again, I'm there. I'm there for you. Roman Polanski. Okay. Again, yes, I'm fine with that. And there was one other person whose name I didn't recognize, but apparently he was caught uh, selling. Uh, every year, was selling all his uh, screeners back when they used to give oh. out physical screeners. Really, so four people ever have been kicked out of the academy, and we're talking about you know um, somebody who was accused of having sex with a, a child, somebody mm-hmm. who was accused of gross and egregious abuses of power with involving a lot of women, uh, or two of them, I guess, and then uh, somebody who apparently sold bootleg DVDs. Um, well, and yet you've got you got Woody Allen, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he theoretically is still a member of the Academy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what is an appropriate punishment. I mean, uh, apparently uh, Chris Rock decided he didn't want to file. The police asked him afterwards if he wanted to file charges. He said no. Carol asked me today, like the the fall One of the fallouts
1: is that they announced today that Chris Rock's um, ticket sales have, have just completely sold out. And, you know, and they're, they're being, you know, like, it's, it's been a big success for him in that sense, right? But the thing about it is, is like, if you watch Chris Rock's show, he like, you know, Eddie Murphy and Bill Cosby before him, he talks about his life, right?
2: This is going to come out on stage. Well, he, he had his first show since the Oscars, apparently, the yeah. other night, and I, I read that today, and he he sort of said, you know, hey, and he made a, a little joke about it. He said, hey, how was everybody's weekend? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then, but then he also told the crowd, like, I'm still processing all this. I, I don't really have anything to say about it beyond that. And, you know... It's a debate. Is the best outcome of this for him to dine out on it and make a whole routine about, like, I never saw it coming and here's my whole spiel about, like, what was going through my mind and and do a part of his act and make, you know, a million bucks off it? Or is it to be like, hey, I you know i shouldn't have told that joke it probably wasn't funny i didn't anticipate that it was going to have that kind of outcome i feel bad for will that he's clearly got some struggles that that he felt he needed to confront me like that i'm going to move on he should probably move on and we should probably like you know hopefully will will seek help for for whatever demons are haunting him right now what's the best approach i i, I don't know do you, do you
1: well i can tell you i can tell you from having watched you know all the sort of seinfeld uh, not the episodes but the the sort of behind the scenes where he talks to comedians and stuff like that and they talk about you know the the way they work on their their routines and stuff i mean um like i've seen him do dip, deep dives with you know um david spade and and um uh all kinds of different comedians and and they work on things and they perfect them, and they perfect them, and they perfect them, and then and then they bring them out, and they you know they do them in like like small rooms, and then they try them out on on big audiences, and then they become part of the act. And like Seinfeld is famous for for you know retiring some of his bits, right? But um, it it, it may never this may never become part of Chris Rock's bit, but he's got like fodder for you know inside like side side glance jo- jokes for like the rest of his life you know like yeah like like Amy Schumer came out and said did I miss anything did anything happen while I was backstage you know like yeah.
2: <laughs> but then think about the moment like I've, I've seen I've seen comments from her and from Wanda Sykes uh, since then and both of them because we as the audience saw it and we're like what's happening like did, was that on was that a deliberate thing was that a joke like what happened and then you realize like no it's gone can you imagine being Wanda Sykes or or Regina Hall or Amy Schumer when you know this isn't part of the deal and just seeing him come up stage be thinking like what's gonna happen
1: or do you know or do you not know I mean like do we like how do we like of course you know oh conspiracy Tim's out here
2: hang on conspiracy yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah no I mean like exactly like the alleged the alleged slap you know like I've actually also heard somebody say it was it was like a some stuntman sort of said it wasn't a real hit you know like it didn't you know it looked I mean it looked well, fake because hand it was hit real him, right because he, I know I know it looked it looked fake because it was real I mean that's what I mean like you yeah. know what I mean like a hollywood punch looks completely different than a real punch you know well like, and when, when rock, rock
2: saw the hit coming he he rolled with it he didn't if he had just stood there, I mean, that's the other thing that's kind of brutal about this too. Like, Will Smith is a legitimate 6'3. Chris Rock is like a legitimate 5'8. When he saw mm-hmm. that gigantic arm go up, he had to be thinking, like, this is gonna go badly. So he rolled with the he rolled with the punch and he took it like a champ. But that's like your life's gotta flash before your eyes when that happens. Like he could not have seen that that was going to be what what happened, especially with somebody as good natured as Will appears to be. The stage, and, and again, it's like I
1: don't. I, I was thinking about. It. I didn't really think about it at the time, but like it's ludicrous. Like the the stage was like a foot off the ground, right? Yeah. No security anywhere. Nope. Right, and they were sitting in armchairs like five feet from the stage. I mean, he's like they're begging. Like it could have got a spit take and could have hit him. You know what I mean? Like
2: it's true, but then like. There's never been anything like this before. I mean, there was a streaker back in the 70s, like, but like, there's never been anything like this before. Yeah, but there was, there was, uh,
1: the, the thing that reminds me of, of, like, you know, taking away from somebody is when Taylor Swift won, I don't know, she beat up Beyonce or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. And no Kanye awards, came right? out, When yeah. she was like, she was like 17 or something like, you know, yeah. and it was like the first award show, whatever. And yeah, Kanye came out and tried to, you know, steal the moment from mm-hmm. her, right? Mm-hmm. And he did. I mean, you know, like for like we're still talking about it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, anyway.
2: But at least yeah. he didn't walk up on stage and like push her over <laughs>
1: he practically did he took the microwave phone away from her yeah. and, he, and he basically said this is a travesty that she shouldn't like she practically said you know she should not have won this award yeah yep. and I'm Kanye West and therefore I've hated Conway yeah okay Conway West yes yeah. Conway West Kanye ever West Kanye West. Ever, ever since he did that I have I'm like I'm you know I won't give him the time of day yeah I won't listen to his music I don't think he's a great artist, whatever. I mean, and again, separating the art from the art, like you said, right?
2: Well, but that's the thing. If you can separate the art from the artist, he is a great artist. He's just, he's clearly got some demons. Yeah, he's got some demons. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's all in all, I think obviously we've spent a bunch of time now talking about it, but it's just, it has dominated the conversation this week. I imagine it will continue for weeks to come it's so unfortunate across the board it's unfortunate for will it's unfortunate for chris it's unfortunate for the academy it's unfortunate for the public it's unfortunate for civil rights it's unfortunate for and, and and there's there's no win out of this there's no good that comes out of this i hope that will gets a chance to uh to you know make right on this at some point i hope that you know uh, that th- this is a blip in an otherwise amazing career, uh, but I don't know how you live this down. And I hope, I hope that nothing but the best for him in the long run. But in the in the moment, you know, y- you've you've you should be ashamed of yourself. You really should.
1: Yeah. Oh, I can see who who is nominated. Let's move on to the the actual the actual th- next story here, which is the, the talk about the awards. Now, you already mentioned that Dune won most of the most of the awards for the night. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Coda, Apple's Coda wins big. Um, yeah, it's, it's, the thing about it is, you know, because of all the oh, what happened was again Rogers. I got Rogered again. They, uh, <laughs> they, you know, I set my PVR. I should know better. Like I don't know why I just I set it to the sh- what was the scheduled show time, you know, and I should have recorded the show afterwards. Which what I'm when I'm thinking smartly, I do that so that because I because as soon as it en- it ended before. Um, any of this like so i had to go online and watch the uh jessica 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 chastain's speech and his speech so i had no idea who they were nominated against but here on this this article you've got i can see the other movies that were up against these movies right and so on and so forth like kenneth Branagh, i had no idea who he was up against or sorry jane champion and yeah yeah so she beat out steven spielberg and kenneth brana but this was kenneth brana's first academy award apparently this year right
2: first nomination yeah
1: no, no, he's been nominated before.
2: Oh. He she won. He, went for, he won what, for what, screenplay?
1: Best screenplay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it does, it's, you hit those every once in a while where you think like, well, of course, after, you know, like that person would have, but I mean, look at Jane Campion, like, I mean, how did Jane Campion, like, she's been, as she, as she pointed out, so flawedly uh, in that previous award speech, you know, she she's been fighting it out as one of the sort of premier directors in a male dominated field for the last, you know, 25 years making great movies. You know, it's, you know, it's a strange one to look back on. But then, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, Martin Scorsese did not win an Oscar for insert five great movies until he finally won one for something that people will not remember, you know, so.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he should have won for Casino, I should have won for Goodfellas, yeah. Yeah,
2: like he didn't win for Goodfellas, and you're like, wait what?
1: Yeah. Well and again, like they, they just sort of said that, that, that giving him the was it Departed?
2: Uh, yeah, for? I think he won for the departed.
1: Yeah. yeah, that and that was a good movie, but it wasn't Goodfellas. No. No. <laughs> and it wasn't Casino, no you know? No. Although I don't know if it might be it might not be him. Anyway. Yeah, see, I had no idea Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy Faye, which I I I saw the makeup, the makeup the other day. It's unbelievable. I haven't seen the show yet because I'm not a huge Tammy Faye fan. Um, but um, you know, beating out um, Kirsten Stewart, and Nicole Kidman, and 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 I, th- and I thought being Ricardo's was amazing, right? Yep. And Olivia Coleman, of course, who's like been winning awards. Like she won for all kinds of stuff previously, right? I mean, she probably wears more makeup, uh, Jessica Chastain,
0: more makeup than. Doug Jones' as Saru. I mean, they had to, like, pull out the spackle to make her look like uh, Tammy yeah. Faye's heavily makeup
1: style. And and um, what's his name? Andrew Garfield? Yep, from Tick-Tick-Boom. He looked completely different. Well, he was those... in that same
2: movie. He Jim played uh, he played Jimmy Jim Baker. Baker. Yeah,
1: yeah. mm mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like, yeah, it's totally... It's, if you see... Even if you see a still of it, you're like, what? Well, it's... Yeah, we'll talk about the... um Colin Farrell in a bit, but anyway, have you seen have you seen the Batman, Tommy? I've not seen the Batman. No. Okay. All right. Okay. So we have to be very careful. So, yeah. Looking Spoiler at these
0: lists here, I didn't have anything that I really disagreed with. I think it was a pretty. I mean, you could you could quibble. I think and be like, well, maybe this one, but I didn't see any. Oh my gosh, they made a terrible mistake moments in any of these. Um, sort of the glory awards here. Well, look, Hans Zimmer won another Academy Award. The the mistake for best original song was not in what's here in the list, but in it's whatnot, what
2: not. Yeah. It's like,
0: <laughs> there's a reason they put, we don't talk about Bruno as a special uh, performance because that's the one that Encanto should have submitted. Not uh, the wonderful, beautiful, those oruitas, but um, the catchier one that everybody knows and is going to be, you know, baby sharking from now until the <laughs> end of time is we don't talk about Bruno.
2: Well, they they, they right. literally put a a sing along version of Encanto on on Disney Plus because of the popularity of that song. Like, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So, so
0: going yeah. with what's here, I'm like, oh yeah, the, the No Time to Die of Bailey Eilish. It's a very James Bond song. It's a good song. I think it probably loses to We Don't Talk About Bruno if that was. Oh yeah. 100%. If that was submitted for nomination, but it wasn't. So I'm like, oh, okay, nothing can go here. And when I saw all the technical awards, I was like, yep, this is a good pee breaker because Dune is winning all of these. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. yeah,
1: I thought Doom was going to sweep it like that happens with the Oscars, you know, like mm-hmm.
2: one movie comes in and just steals all the awards. Yeah, I mean, Dune. Dune feels like it got treated like Peter Jackson's first two Lord of the Rings movies, like, we'll get you later. Really? That's the mm-hmm. vibe I got. Like, even when it was nominated, yeah. people were like, yeah, but it's up against this, this, and this, so it'll never win. And it won all the technical awards, which is exactly what Peter Jackson's uh, Fellowship of the Ring did and Two Towers did. And it got nominated for Best Picture, as those two did. But I, I found it bothersome because I honestly think that Return of the King is the worst of the Peter Jackson original trilogies. It is 100%. It is the least best told story. It is clunky. It doesn't work well as a it's, story, it's but it was so hard to watch. It's it's just and it's too long. Like even the original cut was too long. And yet they basically kept like, "Oh no, no, we're not going to give it to you the first one. Oh no, no, you're not getting it for the second one." Okay, now for having completed the trilogy, here's your Oscar for best picture and best director. And and I was like, Ugh. The, the first and second pictures are better than those. They're better made movies. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're better performances. There are. And, and frankly, I think the first one deserves it just because of the, the sort of visionary scope of it. And yet, like I was looking at this one and I was thinking like, yeah, Denis Villeneuve kind of got done dirty here because there I'm sure looking at it thinking, well, they're going to make at least one more of these things. We'll get you on the next one. And I think that's a shame because it it which diminishes is dumb because his... COVID could happen you know <laughs> like, well that's that's it right and or you know, you know Timothy Chalamet can be hit by a bus tomorrow like I don't know yeah, to me yeah, it exactly. just it, it it again it speaks to the way that the Academy does business and this is part of the reason why I kind of have been out on them for a while is it's not about best it's about politics it's about you know uh, cronyism it's about you know lifetime achievement there's so many nonsensical things balanced in here you know like it's just awful one of the best things I've ever heard was um, Bill Simmons from from The Ringer has maintained for a long time that you should never give out an Oscar or any major award until five years have passed that you should wait and let the impact of things soak in before you decide them because if you go back at least five years and look at all of these awards you change at least half of them it's so hard to decide in the moment you know it cuz it's about who who had the best you know marketing campaign behind the scenes it's who took the right people to lunch it's you know it's it's all these things it's not about how does the quality of the work stand you know the test of time again you talk about like you know Forrest Gump versus Pulp Fiction you talk about you know so many of these instances in the past where you're like how who how did that win in the moment and you realize like, yeah, you don't, you don't know half of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is an interesting idea to do the, um, the only hall of fame I'm familiar with is the NFL hall of fame, which you are not eligible <laughs> to join <laughs> till after five years, I want to say from your mm-hmm. retirement. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like, like Tom Brady, for example, w- was taking the clock down for about two minutes and then is back on the five-year clock for, for whenever he retires. And maybe yep. that's the, that's a kind of an interesting idea to do a best picture of five years ago sort of approach.
2: Well, it's just so hard in the moment, right? Like how do you, you know, when you get these sort of crushes during quote unquote awards season, and you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and and who the who are the power players who are making all these different things happen, and and you know, momentum changes on these pictures based on, yeah, like You know, there was some speculation that Jane Campion may have cost herself an Oscar when she stuck her foot in her mouth about making a comparison with the the Williams sisters and and how she had to overcome things as a director versus what they had to overcome as as black tennis players, which is stupid, objectively, Uh, you know, but she still managed to win the Oscar and good for her. But, you know, uh, you know, in the moment, things happen, right? in in the Mm -hmm. campaigning things happen well but you know
1: it's funny that you just said that like it's yeah totally inappropriate for her to say that but you know it's kind of like you were, were comparing apples and oranges and saying well this is clearly this is the best fruit you know like like in the academy award process in general right like you know like like you can't compare what the williams sisters went through to what jane campion went through and yet they're still they're on the same ballot you know practically you know anyway I mean, but men do it all the time. in In male circles, we we compare ourselves to other males who completely are not comparable.
2: Yeah, and again, I I don't mean to obviously single her out in this. I'm just saying that this is an example of some of the the things that come up during these campaigns, for sure. You know, again, it's it's just it's it's crazy in retrospect when you look back at some of these things you're like oh how did that person win that award how did how did this film get to that spot and obviously we'll never know the whole story on some of these but some of them you're going to look back on and be like well, I mean we talked about it even when we did the Spocky Awards you know I still think mm-hmm. I think Spider-Man No Way Home was a better film I think or a better movie, I think Dune was a better film. You know, like, right. Dune is big and grand and cinematic and beautiful. And I'm sure that those same waitings are happening in the minds of, of the people who vote from the Academy. They're like, well, you know, I think Dune is big and beautiful and, and you know, uh, I enjoyed it. But, like, hey, you know, this is the sixth time that I've watched a movie by so-and-so and I think they deserve, you know, something different, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know. Well, if you ask if you ask me
1: about I mean, yeah, I don't know. was going to I was going to say that if you ask me about Danny Villeneuve's work, I I think um, Arrival was a better movie. But, you know, what can I say? I'm wrong again. Let's move on. Yes, Let's, move on. Yes, Let's talk about this next year. Yes. Um all right. Um so, yeah, this is a follow-up from last week's show. Um, Netflix is, in fact, a fan of SpotCast because they've decided to go after password sharing. <laughs> and there you go. So we talked about it last week, and they were testing it, I guess, in smaller markets. They were, yeah. Yeah, but now, apparently, they uh, maybe it was such a successful campaign after a week. I don't know what, what the story is. But, yes, they've announced that they're going to go after password infringers. And again.
2: Yeah, um, I, still, and- I still am really curious to see how they can pull this off.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Hmm.
2: It's a tricky
0: one cuz I see that they want to, you know, recoup that revenue that's potentially there, but you could also cause a backlash when people start evaluating whether they really need it given that there's Disney Plus, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, et, et cetera, It's a it's a much different competitive game now than, you know, just 5 years ago.
1: Yeah, and and again, I mean, you you often save up with your dollars, right? And and my And I can see that they're saying that here, some people on Twitter are saying, oh, I'll never use Facebook, or, or, or Facebook, I'll never use um, Netflix if this is the case. But, you know, I, I don't really think that, that kind, those kind of campaigns really matter in the grand scheme of things, because I think the the majority of sheeple will continue to use Netflix, right? Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, you know, it's kind of like again from an infra- infrastructure point of view it, it's challenging like, like you know you're gonna i think you're gonna you're gonna annoy more people than not i mean if you like we already have paywall annoyances we or i mean i'm like i don't know about you Jaime, but if you use a personal bit bucket or github account you know now that we have like they've gone away from simple username and password because because i guess their systems were so hackable to these convoluted you know um two-factor authentication things that make professional developers pull their hair out, you know? Um, it's, a, it's a tough, like trying to, you know, stop people from getting into things that they shouldn't get into is, is a challenge and nobody has solved it yet. You know, like mm-hmm. they talk, about, we talk about on the other show about getting rid of passwords and going to all kinds of other things. Like, you know, we have fingerprint ID and we now have face ID and, you know, how are they going to like, you know, Hey dad, I want to watch, you know, uh, what's the movie called turning red or whatever um come and look at the screen for me for a minute you know <laughs> yeah you know my favorite my favorite thing i saw when i saw when touch id first came out is is a man is sleeping on the couch and his kid takes his finger and starts lowering it onto the iphone right <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah i mean what are they gonna do right I, I guess we'll find out i
2: guess we'll find out how will we know though well, I guess I guess at some <laughs> point they'll send a, a letter to the people who are doing this. I can't imagine that somewhere in our networks we don't know somebody who's doing this this nefarious well, deed. We can,
1: maybe we, maybe we should do a poll our our audience or whatever. There but, you go. Well, it's like it's like the Game of Thrones when when they went after the the BitTorrent downloads, right? And they send everybody a letter and you, oh, we we notice you're downloading. A, I, I actually got like I think I I may have done that at one point in my career and got a, a message from my internet provider saying, hey, we noticed your IP address downloaded, you know, the latest episode of, uh, you know, um, Game of Thrones. I've forgotten the name of the character that Dinkus uh, plays. Oh, Peter um, Dinklage? Tyrion? Yeah. Tyrion. Tyrion's really mad at you. That's all I, all I could imagine was, you know, Tyrion coming over to yell at me about it. But you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they're going to send the, the, was it the mountain? The mountain? Oh, the mountain? yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, six foot eight-inch behemoth shows up at your door, we don't like what you're doing.
1: What was the one that was half-dead or whatever? That's right? the one,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the... That's the
1: mountain. Ariane's Ari, gonna put me on her list. That's, that's right. You're, <laughs> you've made Arya's list. Yeah. I mean, Spoilers for those of you who haven't watched Game of Thrones. All right, Hame, over to you. I feel terrible calling this a first-world problem,
0: <laughs> but... <laughs> um This article here was one that... I don't know how it showed up. Maybe the the algorithm decided hey this person likes sonic the hedgehog somebody who's watched the movie the sonic the hedgehog sequel is coming out rather soon and mcdonald's is getting happy meal toys in indonesia not in north america apparently so sorry uh north american kids but uh, you can take a look at the the cool screenshots and like man wish i had those with some mcnuggets (laughs) you have to go to indonesia to get these it's the only place that's that's had this officially come out. It's so weird that we're so close to the what's the release date? Like the seventh, probably seventh or eighth. It's coming up real yeah, soon. It's, it's like eighth. next yeah, week. Yeah, and yeah. And normally they have these like right in mind with the the release of the movies. And I've not seen anything, so
1: I don't know what you're gonna do, kids cry into your mcnuggets <laughs> i guess maybe they couldn't they couldn't afford to to ship them in the container ship or whatever it probably was something like, like you know the container ship that's stuck was it the ever ever forward yeah. or wherever it is
0: that's oh yeah 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know these are going to be real worth a lot at the next fan expo right Yeah, that's true rare indonesian mcdonald's toys get online now yeah exactly crazy that's crazy all right and over to Jonathan, I guess. Uh, no, no, we got one no, no. more from Jaime. Still me. Good news, Jaime is next. Yeah, yeah so in the... Uh,
0: everybody could see this coming thing. So Crunchyroll, which recently, um, not merged, uh, was acquired by um, by Sony, which owns Funimation, the other big anime streaming service, is going to be a lot more restrictive when it comes to what do you get for free for your your you know your ad watching experience. So historically, Crunchyroll has had this whole sort of thing where you can watch anime uh, as it's premiering in Japan. If it's something you pay for, uh, you pay for the premium service, you get to see it. I think as it releases there. Uh, if you're cheap like me, then you wait a week and you're always behind, but you see the episode for free with ads. Well, they're not. Fully doing away with that, but they're essentially doing away with with free stuff. So th- you'll get a quote sampler stuff. So you can you'll know, probably watch an episode or two of series, but you're gonna have to fork up what is it uh, seven ninety nine a month if you want to actually watch stuff at least for new and returning series. It's a really unclear if they're gonna do like a exclusivity window and then all right, you know it's been three or six months or whatever. Here you go, kids. You can watch this stuff for free with ads, but it's uh.
2: It's definitely a bummer for somebody who's mooched
0: as much as I have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All good things they say in time must end. Jaime, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because the ads didn't bother me. I was like, that's why nature gave us smartphones so, to fill the gap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's why nature and Tim Cook. Exactly. So thought that was worth mentioning because I, I, I will see what happens here. Because as a perfect example, this season, I am watching um, the Shenmue anime. Mm-hmm. And I tried to watch it in on Crunchyroll because I said, oh, uh, clearly I'll be able to watch it in Japanese there. And uh, it refused to let me watch. It was like, oh, fork over money, you chump. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. I realized, oh, I can actually get it on uh, Cartoon Network, for the Adult Swim part, which I you know, just record that through um, my YouTube TV. So this is uh, unfortunate. For somebody like me i'm gonna have to start thinking about what i do with this you know do, do i collect this service or or do i uh, do i wait to see what they do with the free stuff but
2: something for people to consider as they're you know they're fighting for your dollars sort of thing well i'm going to stick in an, an impromptu uh a public service announcement piggy, piggybacking off of our conversations about uh about netflix and crunchyroll so i noticed uh, it was probably several months back, maybe even six months back, that the Google Play app disappeared off of my Samsung Smart TVs. And I thought, well, that's unusual. Oh, really? I thought, why Why would they do that? It doesn't make sense. Because when... Um, what was it called? The 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 other streaming service that they had for the longest time. They used to buy... Uh, if you bought a, a physical copy of a movie, they would give you a digital copy. Some of them came through iTunes, and some of them came through... I want to say it was like UX or... there was some... Yeah, it was... Uh, Ultraviolet. Yeah, the... Ultraviolet. Yeah, yeah. And then Ultraviolet announced that it was going out of business, and so... Google picked up the rights to a lot of those so you basically got your movies transferred over to Google Play or you lost them completely or if you didn't know in time you lost them completely so I managed to transfer a lot of mine over so I have probably I don't know 20 or 25 different movies and TV shows that I bought over the years that were on the Google Play Store and the only way to watch them on your television set was to use the Google Play app so okay fine And that it just disappeared. And it basically said Samsung no longer supports this app. I was like, oh, weird. So it just, you know, it deletes. You're like, oh, it's gone. It was not until this week that I finally looked it up and was like, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense. Like, how am I supposed to watch those things if I don't have that app? Apparently, what they've done is they've integrated it into the YouTube app. So, oh, really? Oh. Because they own YouTube, the way that they've done it is if you log in using your oh. Google login on your Samsung TV on your YouTube app, which they still support. It also works on Apple TV, by the way. Then yeah. you can go into a subsection that basically says my library, and in your library will be anything that you own a digital copy of. Right. So yeah. it's basically they've turned YouTube into the one-stop shop for not just YouTube videos, but also for for Google Play content. Hmm. So I say this as someone who apparently uh, had his head deeply buried in the sand and did not know what he was missing out on for six months for no good reason. It would have been nice if they put it in the in the notification that just said, this app is no longer being used to see your Google Play movies go to the YouTube app. But they didn't do that. They just said this app is no longer supported. Go away. But mm. apparently... That's the
1: Google Play store. Yeah, Google Play store doing that.
2: Yeah. So... Good news, I still can watch those movies. The bad news is that, uh, and I, I cannot recall for the life of me if Google, the Google Play Store previously had higher res content. I feel like they did, but I went to look at that stuff on my TV when I did log in the other day, and, and all of it was 1080p. There was no 4K content at all. So Yeah,
1: yeah that, sounds, that sounds familiar to me, too, because I, I own the um, From the Earth to the Moon, and I was, I've been watching it on... I think it came out on Prime or Crave or something because yeah, it, all of a sudden it, it, the quality got better.
2: Yeah, and and to be fair, like that's where the iTunes has been a, a nice. Plus, is that they have basically, as the movies have been up they have just basically added those into your previous purchases. So if you purchased it as a 1080p add-on to a Blu-ray disc, they just upgraded to 4K, which is nice, because then you have a 4K version, and you don't have to necessarily run right out and buy the 4K HD DVD if you want to watch that movie in 4K. But in this case, the Google Play ones, they're still 1080p, which is unfortunate. So... Well... Speaking of like impromptu
1: things and high res, um, I just happened to, I was poking around on Amazon today and I managed to get myself a free copy of Superman number no. one and Detective Cop- Comics number no. 27, which for those of you driving and transporting at home are the original Superman and Batman comics for free. Mm. Um, so and I opened up my comicology app and it said to me, hey, you boob. Redownload your comic books because they just published them all in high res. Oh, high res, yeah. So if, you, if you've already
2: downloaded your collection, go back and redownload it again. Yeah, I guess it depends if you're oh, down, yeah. like I have a, a large enough digital comic book library that I I won't. Wouldn't want them all that, on my phone. That would be
1: that would be a pain in the butt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you know now I have a high res copy of Detective Cop Comics number twenty seven. There you
2: go. There you go.
1: You know, inglorious high res. It's like big blobs of red and big blobs of yellow. It's not like yeah, not like Archie Summer Splash, which is the other one I got. <laughs>
2: Yep. <laughs> all right, um back to our our headlines We've got a few more before we break into our uh, into our Picard and uh, Moon Knight and all the other good stuff. But um okay, so this one definitely was a weird out of the blue story. Bruce Willis uh announced this week that he's retiring from acting uh because he has been diagnosed with aphasia as- or aphasia, which is a um Disorder that makes it difficult for the brain's language center and uh, your ability to speak. So this, yeah, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I would just, it just came out of nowhere. It just was, there was no, like, no preamble, no nothing else. And obviously, uh, Bruce is 67, so he's, you know, he's getting a little older. But, yeah, it just came out of nowhere that he was just like, yep, I'm done. No more acting. I'm I'm gone. And it's... It's weird. It almost felt a little bit like somebody's sudden death, like just the idea that like, yeah, yeah he's done. done like mm-hmm. he's not going to act anymore. He's not like he's just gone. And this is somebody who's been at the center of popular culture since 86. Like it, it's just it seems so sudden and so somewhat shocking to have him just be like this. This release came out and it was just like and he's gone. Uh, you know, again, yeah, yeah. The iconic characters, obviously, you know, John McClane from Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, you know, he's been, you know, a looper like in in you know the sci-fi world, this guy's been in, in a bunch of stuff, the surrogates and, and looper and, and all these great sci-fi movies, Sixth Sense. I mean, it's just kind of I, I it's funny because you know, he's a little like Nick Cage in the way, and I, I, I hate to make this comparison because Nick Cage is clearly insane but um i i felt about him the same way that i felt about nick cage like does he owe somebody money like what's uh, why he makes like amazing movie and then like three terrible movies and then an amazing movie and then like three terrible movies yeah, and yeah. does he just really like to work or does he really like money like what he's it seems like for the last number of years i'll see movies pop up on my streaming services where i'm like is that Bruce Willis? Why is Bruce Willis in this weird B movie looking thing? <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's not like he's been producing nothing, but you know, Oscar Gold for his career. But I mean, we're talking about one of the most bankable box office stars for thirty mm-hmm. plus years. Like, he is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The the YouTube video that I shared with you all about uh, the red letter media folks covered this weird uh, Bruce Willis factory uh, movie factory phenomenon. And it was at the time a little bit strange to me. I was like, oh, it's kind of like a weird way to get a, a payday where he apparently makes like a significant amount of money. Um, given the time he has to spend, it'd be like, oh, he'll make like one or $2 million, but only have to spend like a day shooting. Right. So you can like crank out a whole bunch of these. And they had said that they had noticed that in a lot of them, he's um, like CGI'd in or it's like shot reverse shot where you never actually see him and the other person kind of thing. They use a lot of body doubles to reduce the amount of time that he needs to actually be on set. And they even put um, uh, a little bug in his ears so that he doesn't even have to remember the lines. They're just telling him the lines. Wow. Uh, and he's, and he's staying them So at the time I was like, wow, that's kind of a weird thing. And then when this came out, I'm kind of like, Oh, maybe he was already having troubles with the the aphasia yeah, stuff, and maybe this yeah. is like a yeah. Walter White breaking bad, I'm going to leave a crap ton of money for my family while I'm still able to work, sort of thing. It, it puts a whole different twist on it.
2: True, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the New York Times piece, which I linked uh, into our notes, m- makes the fair point at the end of the article, uh, since 2015, uh, Willis's filmography has mostly been an onslaught of B-movie action productions. Uh, and then according to his IMDb page, Willis currently has nearly 10 movies in post-production. So he's not completely gone, although I don't know that any of those movies are, are necessarily some things that we're going to have to uh, rush out to a theater to see. I don't know that these are like, you know, must-see movies that he was working on. But yeah, like I say, it's just it's so strange to just have it be like, and hey, he's gone. It's like, honestly, it felt as sudden and surprising as as Taylor Hawkins dying. It was just like, what? Like, he's just gone? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well I mean, yeah, you can say it's another comparison would be um Michael J. Fox too just all of a sudden, you know like he, not all of a sudden. But then Michael's been working in
2: spite of his, his Parkinson's Yeah,
1: in spite of his in spite of his Parkinson's, yeah, he has, true. And he's been doing voiceovers and stuff like that. And and he actually's yeah, on stage being a guy with Parkinson's too sometimes, right? Well, so,
2: and obviously, you know, it is it's it does come down to the to the affliction too. Obviously aphasia is going to impair uh, well, this ability to not only work but to you know to make public appearances. Obviously, if he he would be self conscious, or who knows what, how he will deal with with what's going on. But I mean, you know, not everybody has the impulse to do what Michael J. Fox did with his uh, condition and and you know run out to center stage and be like, "We need to stop this."
1: Yeah, but at the at the end of the day, like like people forget these you know Hollywood heroes are people yep. first. Yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. No, and just because, uh, you know, like you, you might have a, a really good day at work one day, but they, they don't expect you to do that every single day you work, right?
2: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, Um All right, next up, we were talking about this a few episodes back. What will happen during Umbrella Academy Season 3 with Elliot Page? Because... Obviously, in the time since there has been a season two, uh, Elliot has transitioned to become a man, uh, the actor formerly known as as uh, Ellen Page. And the question was, how do they incorporate Elliot's transition? Do they incorporate Elliot's transition? Will Elliot be playing a female role? How will that work? And so this week, we got our first little taste of it with a tweet that came out, and Elliot posted... Uh, an image and it says simply meet Victor Hargraves and from that we we get the uh, the hint that obviously we're going to see that character from the show transition from being a woman to a man as Elliot himself is, or sorry, should I should say they themselves, they prefer they them pronouns uh, as Elliot themselves has done it's um it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they build that in. It's certainly not something that is has been done in that way in a show, although again there is a logical sort of progression from season two where uh the character that Elliot plays uh was involved in a same sex romance as a woman with another woman it's possible that that is the foreshadowing to a desire to transition into becoming a man. Uh, and that seems like obviously that's the intention that they seem to be following. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they, how they build that into what is already a, um, a, a really interesting and thoughtful show. The way that it deal, the way that it dealt with, uh, with their character last season, I thought was really, really Quite lovely, in, in the way that it was handled, and I and I'm I'm sure that they're going to be very thoughtful and careful in the way that they do this and try and do it in a, in a very affecting and a, and, and well told way. So I'm really curious to see how this this comes together. What uh, what are your impressions, guys? Well, I mean, um, Elliot Page is on the Oscars the other day, and
1: clearly, you know, has already started you know some chemical therapy and changed the voice, right? So that that would be difficult mm-hmm. to... Yeah, you know to play play a female voice with with a man's voice, right? Yeah, or male voice. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was kind of thinking about that too when I saw the the Oscars. I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be a lot more difficult to work in, uh, sort of after the fact. So presumably they would have had to have been kind of in communication about what's going on to to work it into the story and then do the script writing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, something to look forward to on top of what was already a great series. So it's coming true. back on June twenty second on Netflix. A couple quick ones before we go into the mains. So House of Dragons, the prequel to Game of Thrones. We finally got a premiere date. So we knew that it was coming this year. There was some speculation that it was going to come in spring or early summer. Now we know it's coming on the 21st of August. So a little bit of a wait still, although, uh, you know, we've got a pretty packed TV calendar right now, so I'm I'm not I'm not dying for that. And timing wise, obviously, people's attention turns back to to television more. I think as we get into towards the fall, so it makes sense to 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 start it there. But um, is that the HBO Max stuff? So it's on HBO Max, but this is an HBO writ large. So it's going to be every, everywhere HBO on, on the twenty first. And of course, this is the the prequel, set uh, two hundred years before the events of Game of Thrones, focusing on the Targaryen Empire uh, and sort of their, I guess, downfall. And uh, Matt Smith is is one of the main stars of this, of course, famously Doctor Who. Um, Emma Darcy's playing Princess Rhaenyra. Um, Yeah, so it's it's going to be an interesting thing. Um, but they really haven't given us a great look at it yet. We've only gotten these sort of very abstract kind of uh, glimpses at the world. We really haven't gotten a real taste of of what we're going to see, what the plot is, how it's going to come together. As we've discussed on the show, I'm not a huge fan of prequels. But at least in this circumstance, they, they're they certainly going to cover some ground that's been covered in, in George R.R. Martin's backstories and and supplemental stuff that he's he's talked about. But it's it, it's at least it's far enough away. It's not like it's one generation before where you're like, oh, we're going to see everybody's as a kid, you know, like it, it, at least it's 200 years is enough time that there can be intimations about relationships that are to come and everything. But really, it's kind of got to stand on its own legs. And I, and I think that's what gives me like a mm-hmm. smidgen more hope than than maybe some of the prequel material we've dealt with in the past. You know, we talked about obviously with Discovery you know starting just 10 years before the original series it felt a little fraught we talked about obviously you know enterprise being in enough proximity that that there were these opportunities for crossovers that are just too tantalizing at times my only other thought on this is that this is game of thrones and game of thrones is obviously a world built on magic and you know Lord knows what you could c- c- cook up in a world where you're dealing with magic, right? Oh, this character's actually, you know, it turns out they were immortal and they've always been around and, oh, this character traveled back in time through sorcery. And, you know, like yeah, bah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this is going to be good, but I'm also just a little trepidatious. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it will be interesting to see if they can pull the mojo back out here because, uh, it It is sort of weirdo Game of Thrones has fallen off of the sort of collective radar for people. Um, and, and this might be a way to rekindle that.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously this is, you know, Game of Thrones was the most um, monocultural event I think we've had in a number of years. Where people sat down at nine o'clock on a Sunday night and watched it together. It was... It, it was one of the rare things beyond a, a major sporting event that actually had people all tuning in at the same time. Uh, I remember when the final season was happening and, and we were doing our sort of recaps and chatting about it, you know, the, the, the real tough call sometimes where it was like, well, there's a Raptors playoff game and they're on their run to a championship and there's a new episode of Game of Thrones. I can't decide what I'd rather watch, you know. like It, it, it was huge. It was huge. All right, next up, we got news that the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries is being pushed back very slightly. It was set initially to debut on uh, the 25th of May. It was supposed to be on the 25th of May, and now it's been pushed to the 27th. It's been pushed back by two days, but... I guess in a make good or, uh, you know, they did a little trailer come out today with and McGregor saying, well, we're so sorry that we're moving it back for two days. But they also announced they're going to drop the first two episodes of a six episode series on the same day, which is interesting. Kind of a choice. Definitely. A- I don't f- fully understand it. Yeah. Did they Give an explanation for why suddenly the two. I don't know, and it's funny because it also goes against. We talked about initially, so the Star Wars Disney Plus series used to debut on Fridays, and then they and the Marvel series are doing the same thing, and then they moved them all back to Wednesdays for I'm sure reasons having to do with their their uh, data, their their analysis of how days work best for them. And now they're pushing this one back to Friday, so I I don't I don't understand. I don't know what what's going on, why they're doing it that way, but. Um, I guess it's good that the series will be that much more compact. We'll get two episodes right off the hop and then it'll only take four more weeks and it'll be all told. But yeah, sort of again, another weird out of the blue announcement today. And last thing I've got, just a, a bit of sad news. I had obviously, uh, I had talked about Miracle Man uh, on a previous episode and how it is one of my very favorite comic book series. They're collecting it in this beautiful omnibus edition that's coming out from Marvel uh, later in 2022 in the fall. Uh, unfortunately, we got bad news this week that Gary Leach, who was the initial artist on that series, has died. Um I must admit, I hadn't kept up a lot with with his career since since Miracle Man. I've read a few of the books that he'd worked on. But uh, yeah, he was uh, he was sixty seven, and uh, apparently he died on March the twenty sixth, uh, according to his publisher. This information just came out this week, and uh, you know he was he was not massively known here in North America. Very influential in UK comics, working on Two Thousand AD and Warrior and Judge Dread, and, and just some of the staple British comics of the eighties, nineties, and, and on. And um, yeah, just it's 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 always sad when you lose somebody whose work you admire. And uh, in this case, um, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Gary because uh, his his work was definitely something that stayed with me. His his uh, sort of very detailed, very very um, very very uh, beautiful work will will always stay with me. And uh, yeah, very sad to see him go.
1: All right, well, we're at that part of the show where we talk once again about something Star Trek shaped. And this time we're going to talk about communication badges. No, actually, we're going to talk about uh, about Star Trek Picard, Fly Me to the Moon, Season 2, Episode 5. And uh, I'm going to do the recap. So we start off with, you know, uh, uh, on the Shango ship, which is talking to Houston. It's uh, obviously a... Um, some sort of Apollo-type, you know, mission, um, obviously being shaken around. And Houston's telling the astronaut, female astronaut, that, you know, there's some debris coming her way. And she's struggling to uh, to deal with that. And, me, and then we flash over to Picard, and I'm going to do air quotes, Laris. I've just transported into a a room, a house. And uh turns out we find out that this is actually uh, Talon is the name of the lady, not Laris. Um, played by the same actor obviously. And uh they you know, she's tells Picard that she's transported to to um to her home 'cause, you know, she she feels safer there that, you know, she can get rid of and dispatch him if, if she needs to. No problem. And uh he mentions uh she says there's that name again when he calls her Laris and then she explains that her name is actually Talon. And uh he mentions Q again and she says, What's a Q and that kind of thing, right? So then we, um, she tells Picard that basically she's a supervisor and she's there to basically protect the timeline, kind of thing, right? And in the conversations that they're having, um, he ends up telling her that he's Jean Luc Picard, which kind of you know she kind of raises an eyebrow at that, right? So we flash back over to the Shango. And uh, it's it turns out that you know it's it uh, it's it's about to crash into the earth, and they start you know, um, Houston's counting, doing a countdown kind of thing, and they go three, two, one, boom! You're dead. And we find out that the Shango's actually a simulator, not really a uh, proper ship. And yeah, the astronaut is trying is trying to go through simulations to see how how she would fare. And um, Talon tells Picard that the launch is in three days, and uh, you know it's obviously going to be a big deal and um, having told Talon uh, that his name is Jean-Luc Picard she says well I'm actually here p- to protect you know an ancestor of yours named Renee Picard who is the actress we talked about last week and uh, or the character we talked about last week and um, and of course Picard says well she's very she's of great importance to our timeline so they start to sort of he's trying to sort of figure out what it is about this particular what event of course uh, what event caused the uh the, the breakup in the timeline where where was where was the deviation and he's starting to think that this might be something to do with her mission and we saw her last week she's got like she's wearing a europa mission outfit and so is q in the last scene we saw them in right
2: meanwhile well and, and it's worth flagging in there so that that's where the sort of weird mystery we sort of speculated on at the end of last episode because it, at at that point, Q snaps his fingers and nothing happens. It's when he's trying to affect Renee. Her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true. That's true.
1: Yeah. So, um, meanwhile, back in the, back in the, uh, Trentos, what's the name of the ship? Titos, uh, what's it called? Anyway, back on the ship. Um, the Boar Queen is, is there by herself, all alone, you know, bemoaning the fact that she's alone. And, but she can hear these voices. She's getting these senses of, of she hears conversations in her head kind of thing. And she realizes that there's some sort of like primitive network that she's picking up. And so she, she somehow decides or figures out that this, these are cellular signals, cellular phone calls. And so she attempts to hack the computer with voice recognition to try and get access. And so she tries her own voice and the computer says non-authorized. And she mimics Ang, uh, Agnes. And the computer says not authorized. She tries Picard, and finally she tries uh, to imitate Rios. And of course, she gets online. She's able to connect the connect to the outside world on the cellular network. And so the first thing she does is she calls the operator and asks them to connect her to the uh, La Barre France established uh, uh, police station, basically. And um, she lures the police to the chateau by saying, "You know, help! I'm being repressed, and um, <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm being attacked, and that kind of stuff." So they, so they, they say, "Well, dispatch somebody right away." You know, via vite, come quick. Um, and then we flash over to Rafi and Seven, who are, you know, we see Rios' bus coming down the road, and and they're still trying to figure out a way to stop the bus and arguing back and forth uh, about uh, about how to do it. They think they'll, they'll maybe they should get. Uh, uh, Agnes to, to beam Rios out of the, uh, right off the bus. And of course, you know, Seven's arguing about how fact they can't use technology to give away. So if they beams off of a, sh- off of a bus, it's obviously going to draw attention and crawl, cause a fracture in the timeline.
2: And... Well, and that, that's a weird one, too, because they just established in the previous episode that they had to stop the police car because the transporter right. couldn't lock on while the thing was moving. Right. So uh, yeah, that one seemed a little bit strange to well, go from one well, episode to the other. Yeah,
1: hold on to your hat for a second. So, so um, yeah, so they, they're arguing about the use of technology to do this kind of thing. And, and Seven finally, you know, demands that um, Rafi give her the, the, the um, tricorder. And she finally realizes if she says, please, nicely, then, then Rafi will give in and gives it to her. So she, Seven basically takes the tricorder and EMPs the bus to, to basically stop it, you know, dead in its tracks and she says something that's moving that's not moving is vulnerable so they decide to go and attack the ship or attack the bus and at the same time Rios is telling the the rest of the prisoners in Spanish to get ready cuz his friends are coming to to get them out and um and so they he starts to tussle with the with the guard who of course the guard opens the door
2: yeah that's a great <laughs> first move
1: yeah that's always a good first move yeah and so and of course Rios attacks him and then you know uh, Pedro you know does a double-handed you know uh, bonk on the head. Where have we seen that that move before? Somewhere on the axe
2: chop move. Yeah, it was like do. Greg the Hammer Valentine from nineteen uh, nineties yeah. wrestling.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they did that on. They did, somebody did that on one of our sh- one of our episodes, and we were talking about how that's kind of a weird weird move. But anyway, so uh, yeah. So and then as they get off the bus, you know, he sees uh, uh, Rafi and. Um, um, Seven are helping people off the bus, and and uh, Pedro's at the front of the bus texting somebody madly, which I thought was kind of interesting. I wonder if that's going to come back because they've obviously introduced Pedro as as a key figure because he does have a few lines and things like that, right? And he's got the double-handed hammer hammer punch or whatever. Um, back in back in uh, Talon's apartment, uh, they're still talking about you know the timelines and things like that, and of course you know Picard has to throw back to the you know the original series where we I think we talked about this too where. There was a character trying to uh, influence a, a launch that had to happen, and the character was Gary Seven, who was also recruited by the supervisors to come and uh, and help, you know, make sure that this particular event happened, right? Um, you know, Kirk and Spock thought he was there to blow up the ship and or blow up the Apollo rocket, but in fact, he was there to make sure it took off, right? And then we see that, um, or Tannen shows Picard that Renee, there is a challenge with with um, Renee because she's in a session. Uh, in a therapy session and, and the voice to me sounded a lot like Jim, John Delancey. I don't yeah. know what you guys oh, yeah. but
2: yeah. doing a bad French accent. Uh,
1: bad French accent and sometimes almost sounded sounded uh, like a, a woman at some point because you didn't really see you know to the back of the head, but it was grey hair, so clearly to us it's you know, we know who it is, right? And we already have established that he's in close proximity to her. Mm-hmm. Um and of course talons are telling about uh some of Renee's accomplishments, you know, an expert sailor at Ten and doing chemical theory at uh at 11 and became an expert pilot so naturally uh, was recruited by nasa they couldn't wait to get their hands on her As she says but the problem is she deals with anxiety and depression which is why she's in therapy and she's talons is is concerned that she may in fact not make it on on this particular flight um and of course the thing i didn't say about talon she's she's able to monitor her but she's not able to interfere like she's not allowed to go and make herself known to to the person they're just sort of there to sort of be a guardian angel, if you will, kind of thing. Um, and she says she's not really, not really sure if she's going supri- to survive this this depression and anxiety that she's dealing with, right? And you know the Europa mission is in three days, and you know, Picard's like, oh, but that's an important mission; she has to be on that that ship, right? And so she starts to show the the uh, s- the therapy session, and and Picard's like, that's private, and looks at <laughs> goes, is it? Uh, yeah, and then. Um, we hear the therapist is trying to dissuade Rene from, from the ship, like, from going on the, the mission. Like, what what could possibly happen if you didn't do go on? And Picard sort of says, hey, wait a minute, can you turn the camera around so I can see who the therapist is? And, of course, we've, you know, clearly it's Q, right? He's like, that's Q. Now we flash over to a brand new part of the show where we see Adam Sung um, trying to convince a board of investors or directors or whatever uh one of which is Leah Thompson who is that how are the ducks leah thompson how are the ducks leah thompson
2: is. yes it's important
1: yeah. yeah exactly um and talking about you know his research and and you know giving the the big you know life or death sort of speech about genetics and things like that and how it's important blah 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 and we find out in a flashback that he's uh actually got a daughter at home who's got a, a genetic disease ironically because he's a geneticist and it's played by, I've um, forgotten her first name, Isabel.
2: Isa, Isabel.
1: Isa, Isa Barones, yeah. Yep. So Jonathan's wish to have her back on the show has been granted.
2: Yeah, it's and we should say for the record that Adam Sung, of course, is supposed to be an ancestor of um, Noonien Nune, uh, Sung, Sung, the, yeah, the creator yeah. of Data, and of course played by Brent Spiner. So, I mean, in the ultimate convenience, we're just going to bring back Brent Spiner to play Adam Sung, who just coincidentally looks identical over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years. And, uh, and his daughter, Corey uh, Sung is played by Issa Briones, who looks exactly like that. Anyways, I'm to, all that was really far fetched for me, but I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm happy to see them both. I like both the performers, whatever.
1: Well, it's, it's funny. I didn't have this in my notes, but Rafi's sort of giving Picard the third degree about how in fact, you know, Talon looks exactly. Acting like um, Laris and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, just a coincidence, kind of thing. And she goes, and he kind of bluffs her off, brushes her off, and she kind of goes, "Good talk."
2: Yeah, we're we're going to have to dissect that at the end of this recap.
1: Yeah. So Corey, is as Jonathan mentioned, uh, is is at home. And we flash back and forth between the, this this board presentation and and him looking at his his daughter, you know, put, taking blood samples and and putting her uh, um, her. He's got this amazing computer i I don't know what they're going to do in the next two years to invent this computer that can instantly diagnose whether somebody's ninety nine percent has a chance of dying or whatever um That's what the result is on the screen i love I love computers like that eh Hami? um but the uh but he tells her you know of you know of, of all the things I've learned in all the years that I've been doing working on stuff, people are idiots right They didn't buy into his thing. She mentions yeah. uh, Leah Thompson mentions in in chastising him at the end of his speech that he's you know been doing you know genetic research without a proper approval and criteria and working for a military organization and things like that and she and broken the Shenzhen Convention. Do we know anything about this? Does it? Yeah,
2: I think that is a legitimate thing. That's against the that's um, against genetic human human experimentation and uh, cloning oh, okay. and and yeah. Hmm so it's right. a
0: contemporary thing it's not something that's a, a future like the the third tree it's, it's not from the kind of star Trek right?
1: galaxy it's actually a real a real thing okay 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 got it, got it yeah so she so she rejects uh she rejects uh sorry was that a question or a statement i mean that
0: was a question because i i assumed oh. it was a a future history world building thing not a
2: Legitimate thing that actually, yeah, exists like, right like
1: now. the the riots you were talking about, the bell riots, or whatever you called it last week, right? Sort of thing. So right. Is, this, is right. this a legit thing, Jonathan, or just I, part that of that was the my war?
2: speculation? I'm just going to look it up. You keep going, and I'll, uh, I'll 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 keep moving. So, needless to say, needless to say, the
1: board uh, rejects him, and Leah Thompson says, you know, you you're forbidden from doing any more of this work, and you're going to stop your funding, and so on and so forth, and whatever. And then Morbius hacks his computer, and you see on the screen, Neo, wake up. Oh, sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> um. yeah so uh you know he's looking at his computer and his computer screen goes black and it says i can help and then next thing you see is a bunch of images flashing by with all reports and PDFs, and you know eight by tens with numbers and lines on the back and um basically says you know provides proof that he can fix the the, the disease that's uh hurting his daughter so he you know he directs uh swing over to his 3D printer which just happened to have printed out like a business card with a big Q on it and so they set up set up a meeting to to meet each other in the future meanwhile back in chateau uh, Picard the policeman has shown up or the the um, how do you say gendarme has has showed up and um he's uh going through the, the chateau you know looking for people and he just happens to miss agnes who's sleeping on the couch a lot of people sleeping on the couch in this episode i got to say by <laughs> the way um it seems to be the way... People don't have beds. They just sleep on couches. Um, anyway, so in 2024. Must be those fancy new couches you can get online. But um, uh, the Queen... Uh, I don't know if the Queen is doing this on purpose or the, or the cloaking device isn't working very well, but she's flashing the, the ship so that she, she can he can see it. And uh, she manages to lure the cop over to the ship. And, and as he comes in, she starts, you know, saying, help, I'm over here, and has him... So she loses a cop in, and she captures him basically, and grabs her, you know, uses her tendrils to hold him snug. And then, you know, then we go to a restaurant, and and Doctor Sung walks in, and he's he meets Q sitting there, you know, played by John Lancy and um, you know, uh, she says it was very you know, sneaky of you to tease me with data so specific to the problem I'm actually trying to solve, and you know, you're you're you know, I get a lot of people trying to scam me and you know, I'm out of here. This is crazy. And and Q says to him, you'll sit in 17 seconds. And he talks about the reason why, you know, he's here. And he says, I've, you know, I've taken time for granted. Now she's leaving me. And of course, you know, at which point he says, you're a crackpot. And he says, well, hang on a second before you go, you're a father and you're desperate. That's why you you know, drove all this way to come here and that kind of thing. Right. And then of course, you know, um, Brent Spiner sits down and he goes, 17 seconds, right on the knot, right on the mark and um so he gives him uh in talking about you know what he says i want i want something from you but i'll come back and get it later which again is a plot of a thousand different you know movies and stories and whatever you know and he says well who are you he gives him a theory, a, a blue serum and he says who are you because i am death i'm the destroyer of worlds and he says what i want what i want will come later so he's obviously going to get something from from him in the future and then of course you know the uh laris uh, La- sorry laris Tannen and Picard are talking. She's like, well, why doesn't Q, if he's all-powerful, why doesn't he just snap his fingers? And Picard's like, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, they're talking about how tomorrow she goes into quarantine and, you know, for the next three days. And he's like, oh, great, well, we just, you know, drug her and knock her out and make sure she gets on that ship. And uh, unfortunately, she has to go to a big gala, you know, uh, invitation thing, you know, today to tonight. So she can't, you know, they can't just, you know, knock her out and keep her in cold until she's ready to go. So he says, well, we'll attend, and me and my crew, and we'll we'll monitor her, make sure nothing, you know, keep all the people, bad people, away from her. Back on Chateau Picard, uh, the queen starts to call Agnes, you know, wakes her up from her sleep, and starts to lure her towards the, uh, you know, come see what I got for you kind of deal, right? And um, so uh, Agnes buys an old shotgun, you know, because, you know, you want to pick up a 200-year-old weapon when you want to defend yourself, right? (laughs) But um, she... uh, I pick it up with this this gun on the the mantelpiece and you know takes it into the ship to basically still loaded uh, by the way yeah still loaded, and the and the powder's still good, yeah, exactly um in this this house it's you know got no more climate control, anyway, but what do we know about guns? We're in Canada that's right? true, it's true um, exactly it was um, Chekhov's gun
2: <laughs> that's right, yeah. that's exactly right <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs>
1: All right, So the queen shows Agnes that she's got this hostage. She's got you know her tendrils wrapped around the the policeman's neck, and she's you know I I don't want his body. I could have his body, but I, what I want is you. You and I should team up, and we'd you know put on a show, and we'd we, we'd be great together. Um, all I want is you. And she starts singing a song by you too. <laughs> but um, actually she doesn't sing a song by you too. But you know a second, just gonna open my other computer over here. Yeah, there we go. All right. So um. Yeah, we should. You know, we team up. We, we'll be. We'll be forever. In, you know, you, and she starts to, to work on Ang, uh, Agnes's uh, um, loneliness and the fact that she's always going to be forever invisible. You'll be. Al, you know. You'll be al, alone for the rest of your life. And every timeline I examined, you're alone. You know, join me, and you'll be loved completely and all the time, kind of thing, right? So back over on. Uh, I tried that Soons pickup house. line. It doesn't work, by the way. No. <laughs> All right. So Sung uh, back in Soong's, uh, thing, he, he tests the serum, um, on, he tells, he tells his daughter that he's tried it himself, whether or not he has, it, we don't know. Um, but he tries it on her and, you know, it solves her problem. He can, he can remove the, the sunscreen that he's got this big, you know, screen held up by, by drones over his house and she can go swimming in the water because the water it's apparently she, it's like acid to her or something like that. And the, the sun burns her skin and things like that. Like, um, She's obviously a golem or something like that. that but anyway, uh,
2: yeah, I don't know if that's a real disorder, but uh, that sounds really unpleasant.
1: So, so anyway, she tries. It, she goes swimming, and you know, after a few minutes, she comes out, and I guess the serum wears off, and uh, the magic potion wears off, and uh, she starts to burn. And so he, you know, flips on but calls the drones back, and they they block the sun again. Um, so meanwhile, uh, we see Agnes covered in blood, beaming the crew back and um she she says you know she she beams um Raffi and seven and and rios back to the ship and says i think i may have killed their only way home and of course the queen's just hanging there you know dead um and then she says she repaired the cop she put all the parts back except for his spleen and uh so they decide they'll they'll drag him out to his car and you know she's erased his memory so they'll put him in his car and then hopefully he'll forget that they're doing this and just as um tannin and picard beam in and that she sees them dragging the dead the dead cop out, and he goes, "Oh, I'm sure he's not dead. There must be some explanation." <laughs> it's only only slightly dead, um, pining for the fjords. But uh, so uh, back on, Sung and Q are now talking in their same place about the cure, and um, you know, it's, it's he "Q says his, his wisdom is, you know, love nothing, and then you won't be disappointed." And
2: um, but of course, what kind of life is that? Is it's the is the punchline right?
1: Q, uh, Sung says to Q, "What do you want?" And you know, I want you to remove an obstacle because I, I don't longer have the powers that I normally would have on in this timeline. Doesn't tell him what it is, but anyway. So you know, the the crew is speculating. What's Q playing at? What is he? What's he? What's he trying to do here? And and um, you know, Ren, well, Renee may back out of the ship if if you know, as a therapist, he's convinced her that you know, maybe she can you know, just sort of not go on the on the trip. Um, so no Europa. Um, is they believe is now causes the 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 future society becomes xenophobic as rio says you know you think that's what it was um anyway so uh picard points out that she discovers a sentient microorganism on io and brings it back and that sort of that sets a sort of timeline that's what they think is the pinnacle uh thing that she has to do as part of her reason to be here and that's why talon is protecting although i don't know how talon's going to protect her on io i guess it's just
2: making sure she gets on the flight and goes right
1: i guess what if she does she does she like point at the like sometimes if i drop something on the floor i have to point at it for my dog because he doesn't quite see it (laughs) anyway yeah q is unpredictable we don't know what he's going to do he's a real wild guy that q guy um quite a card um and then, of course, uh, Talon points out the one problem that they have in their flaw in that they haven't been invited to the big gala. And they, each guest has a special RFID ad- identification. RFID, yeah, RFID, Radio Frequency ID. They even say Radio Frequency ID in, in the show. They didn't say RFID. But, um, and, and you know, and she says, I've only got the technology in her. It's always the way. She's only got the technology to get one person in, right? So, and Agnes is excited. She says, "Oh, good! I I took an, you know intro to antique coding. I can get to try my my uh, stuff I learned at university." And they talk about how the the servers that they have are not connected to the internet. And yeah, she says, "Yeah, yeah, air gapping. We learned about that too." And so they decide that Agnes can can basically get in, get to the computer, and inject the IDs to let the rest of the crew into the into the gala. So, but she has to do it from inside. So she has to find a way to get in. So she she goes dressed with a red dress on and um she walks in and as she's walking into the thing as usual in this thing they start you know the uh, the orchestra is playing fly me to the moon and by you know the song by Frank Sinatra and um or made famous by Frank Sinatra who wrote it it was originally titled, originally titled in other words by the way not fly me to the moon Anyway, so yeah, so she's going through. She's got the chip, uh, or they've hacked the chip into Agnes. It it kind of fails, and they ask her for another form of ID. Just happens to have a a driver's license card on her, California driver's license, if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, so she did. And she said she goes and finds Renee at the party, and she says I've got eyes on her. And then she starts acting really suspicious, you know, and uh, you know. holding her hand to her ear as she's talking to herself and of course the security or a monitoring she's doing it right underneath a a camera right so she gets captured and put you know in in um, handcuffs inside the surveillance room and um, we go back in time just slightly or we flash back to earlier when agnes is talking to the queen and she's got her uh, shotgun pointed at the queen who's still got the the policemen there And, um, basically she shoots the queen at the base of her spine where, you know, she says that we're all, the queen's just as vulnerable as the rest of us. And, um, you know, Seven says there there are billions of people who will disagree, billions of souls who will disagree with you. But, um, the, so the queen's dying and she's, you know, pleading with, with Agnes about, you know, you need me, I need you, we need each other kind of thing. And as she's dying, she manages to get her hand on... Agnes's face, and you see the little thingies come out, and she assimilates herself into into Agnes's brain there. And uh, yeah, you need me, Agnes. And then um, we see we're back in the in the um, the gala, and we see Agnes sitting in the um, in the in a chair, and uh, none other than Number Six puts her arm around Doctor Baltar. <laughs> Sorry, wrong movie. Again. Um, the Queen is sitting there in Agnes's imagination, like number like number six was in Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. and um, she basically, uh, you know, you know, we we, we fade out, knowing that um, I was a little worried about the actress not being able to play the Queen anymore, but clearly she's going to keep playing the Queen, but now she's going to be more animate and following Agnes around. But Wasn't Agnes the, the 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 loose cannon last in the last series? She was. You know, she was the
2: loose cannon in last season? season too. It's it's funny how those things mm-hmm. just keep coming back around. Yeah.
1: She's such a pill, that woman. So, anyway, um, oh,
2: well done, well done.
1: Thank you, thank you.
2: I mean, uh, I'm here you, you here.
0: had the whole. You're going to send the uh, the scientist and not the not the ranger and the former spy. What's going on here?
2: Yeah, I was. It was funny when they they started doing the breakdown, and then they started showing the the you know the scenes of of Agnes going in there. I was like, oh my god, they're doing Ocean's Eleven, they're doing o- Ocean's yeah, Six, yeah, they're doing yeah. Picard Six. It was uh, yeah, it was very definitely felt like one of those heist movie kind of vibes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, this was actually, you know, we we talked about how I, I sort of felt like it was a little bit of a slow burn uh, the last couple episodes. This one definitely had a lot more happening, and a lot more traction, although more questions than answers once again. Again, why? Like, what do the Soongs have to do with this? Why are they here now? Um, and then, you know, what exactly is it that happens on IO? And... You know, obviously, what's going to happen now with with um, Agnes being assimilated? Because theoretically, I guess we're supposed to assume that the queen is dead, right? Like, she shot her in the neck. Yeah. It seems like yeah. she's yeah. physically deceased. But obviously, she... As she was dying, she infected Agnes, and therefore her consciousness. was Well, they had on. mind
1: melted before. They had mind yeah. melted before, because remember, Agnes sort of was was smart enough to realize to to sort of block the Queen from having full control over her, right? But I think she's probably capitulated now. Mm-hmm. The other thing too about the Soongs is is in the recap, which you didn't talk about at the very beginning. They they flash back to that scene again, where flying over the new San Francisco, and you see the statue of Soong. And you hear Brent Spiner's voice saying, you know, a good human is whatever, dead human, I can't remember what the expression was, but, but you hear that voice again, clearly saying that. So obviously the Soongs play an important role mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. The, this timeline's future, right? Mm-hmm. So, in, I mean, they play an important role in, in the next generation as well, because we wouldn't have data without Soong, right? So, yeah, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so I think that there's definitely a connection between what, Sung has to do now and, you know, his his potential future as well is it's affected by his actions in the next couple of episodes, right?
2: Yeah. And we knew that obviously Soong's must have played a role somewhere in there because even in the dark future, they had... Synthetic people, right? And so yes. yeah, we yeah, knew yeah. that that yeah. had come to pass, but yeah, it's very strange. Again, I, it was a little far fetched. I did find myself again. I, I get it. I, I get why you're doing what you're doing. I get why you're bringing Brent Spiner back because he's a fan favorite and he's a you know he's a good actor and everything. But it it felt. A little forced to be like, hey, Brett Spider's gonna play his like fifth different character. Like how many different characters has he played across? He's he played himself? He, he played Data, he played lore, he's played B4, he's played the actual um uh, the scientist so, sung. Yeah, and then now he's he played his uh Soong's son last season. Now he's playing his ancestor. Like, it's just basically like anybody with the name Sung will just bring in Brent. Brent will play it because apparently that genetic line is so strong, as is that hairline, that we can just have him play any roles throughout the history of this. And coincidentally, the synthetic daughter that his, you know... Progeny invents four hundred years in the future looks exactly like the daughter that he had in the twenty first century. Anyways, it's it's a little far fetched. But
1: doesn't but doesn't doesn't um, I mean doesn't isn't the the character that she plays in the future uh, Soji? What's her name again?
2: Well, yeah, there's Soji and. Um, but aren't they made by Sung? They are. Uh, no. Well, no. They're made by. They're made by Soong's, Oh, I can't even remember from last season. Now I'm drawing a blank. They were, the by, the they were invented by Sung's They were invented by ancestor, isn't it? But it's a Sung. It's in the Sung line, it is. right? It is.
1: Yeah. So, so like but they weren't created I mean, by data. You were, you, were, you were saying sorry, but
2: they weren't created by data. No, no, I don't mean no. I mean, they're from the. the I think Nudian they were created Soong. by Sung's son, who is the character we meet right. last year, who creates the golem that Picard now inhabits.
1: Right, and and so the and why he couldn't fix his voice is another question. But the um, the um, you were asking why she happens to look like uh, the Barona's character, like Barona's actress, mm. right? Just conveniently, you know, like well, that might be why. Maybe maybe there's something about this particular you know child that you know Corey that they somehow they have a you know holographic visual representation or you know, yeah, no, like, rendering like, or whatever, yeah.
2: maybe they will. They'll bring it back around. So between that and then the quote unquote coincidence, which obviously remains to be explained, but the coincidence of um, the character happen, happening to be exactly like the uh, the character who played, you know, the actress who played Laris is now playing Talon. How did those two things come about? Like, you know, and, and it gets called out obviously pretty quickly by Rafi is like, you know, hey, what the F? And. And Picard sort of slaps it off. He's like, "Don't worry about it." And like, clearly, there's more there. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just—I'm curious to see how they reconcile that. Like, I just—I'm not sure anything that they bring forward is going to be truly satisfying. It just feels like mm-hmm. an excuse to bring the same actor to play this different part. Yeah. I don't know. I'm—I'm—I I'm, found that a little. Again, both of those situations to be a little far fetched. But not enough to remove from the episode. And again, I, I like Brent Spiner a lot. He's one of my favorite actors in sci-fi mm-hmm. for the last 30 years. Plus, I really like e. Isi Briones last season. I thought she was great. It just feels mm-hmm. a little convoluted, and it wouldn't have hurt to be somebody else.
1: Well, they even brought back um, Elrond, which I didn't talk about, just because when one of the young Spanish people are getting off the um, the bus, she thinks it's Elrond, right? It, it actually was the actor in, in the shot. Yeah. Right? You know, but she finds it she realizes she's mistaken. Um, another young lad, look, look, who looks like him for him, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they, 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 you know, it's like they have their their bubble of actors,
2: and they want to make sure they use them all, right? Yep. Yeah, and you know, again, I get it. It's fine. It's just you can't expect us to just all bite on that immediately and be like, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, completely. So
1: you were gonna, you were gonna dis- dissect the uh, the good talk part that uh, Rafi has with.
2: Yeah, just the, it's, it's that, right? It's it's the convenience of like, does this make sense? No. And they sort of, it, it almost felt like a little bit of a gloss, right? Where she's like, but this doesn't make any sense. It, it, obviously, she's the avatar for us, right? She's the avatar for us going, but wait, what? But, you know, it clearly, it it stands. So, I don't know. Again, we've got four more episodes or five more episodes to, to unpack all this. We're halfway through the series now. I, I did like that this one seemed to move things a little bit faster. I, I did find you know and I, I get it. I get what they were going for, but like the whole um, you know, the tyranny of ice stuff, you know, again, I'm a Caucasian man living in Canada so it doesn't resonate as much as I'm sure it does for a different audience. but it, I don't know, it, it felt a little bit much for me. I don't know. it felt like social commentary for social commentary's sake. So far, maybe that maybe they'll tie it all together in a way that I haven't seen yet, but it, it felt a little tacked on. I don't know if they, if they had removed the whole Rios subplot, would we be any further behind where we are now? No, we would have actually been able to eliminate probably 40 minutes of content that wouldn't have probably impacted so, but things. The, but the
1: thing is the, the Rios Subplot has to be there because Pedro has, obviously has to have a role. Do you think
2: I, think? I really think. I really feel like that was it for Pedro. I felt like that was like, good job, Pedro. High five.
1: Let's 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 move on. Yeah, but they don't normally give people you know more than five lines if they're just going to be you know cannon or torpedo fodder, right? Um, and and we, we Teresa has to come back, and the son has to come back because he still has to go back and get his communicator, right? I, I guess. I guess. You know, you can't leave it there, right? So. Yeah. I don't
2: know. Again, there. I am of the mind, having sort of studied storytelling and in, in screenplay writing for a long time, that you you don't just do things. Uh, you know, you don't you don't not close plot holes unless you're sloppy, and Star Trek writers aren't oh, sloppy. Oh, I see.
1: Oh, so I see. So you think these, do you think closing off Pedro is closing off Pedro?
2: I think closing right? off Pedro is closing off Pedro because they do have a moment where it's like, "Good job, man!" And it, it really, that if you look at that from the beginning of his introduction, where he's being abused by that cop, and he's yeah. being treated badly and he's being forcibly deported and then it comes back to he gets his moment of vindication when he helps Rios by knocking out that same cop and then they high five and they you know say goodbye to each other they speak Spanish and they say goodbye to each other to me that that completes his arc I don't think there's a need Mm -hmm. for him to continue I agree with you with Teresa that that feels very unsatisfyingly ended but at the same time you know i'm not sure where else to go with that my only thought was if now we have an infected agnes does it come back around hey we need a doctor in a few episodes to try and like fix the possessed agnes maybe they go to teresa to to try and to reconcile that but uh, i'm i'm kind of grasping at straws at this point with still a bunch of episodes episodes to go mr lopez I'm a little unclear
0: what's going to happen here. I had mentioned the uh, nasty and the pasty scenario <laughs> that, that could crop up because it felt a little weird that the doctor was so prominent and um, also uh, they seemed to be, you know, more chemistry there than you would expect for like a plot point character. The other thing I'm a little unclear on is they were trying not to change things and letting loose a whole bus of people who... You know, yeah. in the moment, you can be like, oh, well, this is terrible. What happened? I'm like, yeah, but maybe that's what's supposed to happen. Maybe you just have now caused space Hitler to occur. And maybe this is how the Confederation. Yeah, the butterfly occurs. wings and all that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They they went the, to, to round it out with Simpsons, they went the uh, Simpsons Treehouse episode where he, he stops, you know, avoiding things and he just starts stepping on everything and yeah. punching and clubbing everything to, to try to, you know, go back in time sort of thing. So I, I, I don't know. It's so hard with these that are so uh, serialized. It's like, oh, okay, here we are in episode nine, and then finally it makes sense, right? And if you were binge-watching it, it would it would feel a little bit more uh, sensible and straightforward, and it's partially because we're watching week to week to week that it's um, it's less clear what's going to happen. It is what I'm hoping for. Yeah.
2: Well, to be continued, I, again, I thought it was a good episode. I was in. I thought they did a better job of moving things forward, and, but then they also opened up a whole new couple of cans of worms that that got things even more muddled. So I have faith that they know what they're doing, and I can't wait to see what they come up with next. So we talk about uh, the Moon Knight? Moon Knight. Did you did did you Moon both Night. You watch Moon Knight? I watched Moon Knight. I did. Uh, all right. Jaime, I want to hear what you thought, your first impressions of of Moon Knight. I liked that it was, again, very
0: different from the other things that we've seen. Agreed. You got a character who, like, you you sort of start out in the middle of his, you know, weirdness, right? It's like, why does this dude chain himself to a bed? Why does he have a whole bunch of sand near his bed? So... They kind of establish early on that oh okay he needs to know that he is not sleepwalking because he clearly believes he's sleepwalking and having weird things Mm -hmm. happening. So I like that. I like the uh, the the sort of venom esque voice in his head occurring that's confusing the heck out of him. the The way that they show the transitions from I'm living my normal life to I'm flipping out and then I've re woken up from having blacked out and having to readjust to things and and even losing time, like considerable amounts of time is pretty interesting too. like the, 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 the missed date where he's like, no, no, today's Friday. Right. He's like, no, it's Sunday. Yeah. So that's kind of a a cool different thing.
2: Yeah. I liked, I liked, I think most of all of this, that this is the first thing since the Mandalorian that is wholly new. We 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 jumped back in Ooh. with familiar characters on all the Marvel series so far. We've jumped in with familiar characters with Book of Boba Fett. Mandalorian was the first thing where we were like, where are we? We had to sort of figure out what was happening. We knew the universe. So it's the same thing with this. We know the MCU, but we didn't really know the character. We didn't know the setting. And we kind of had to... Piece it together, and I thought it was really the editing on this is amazing. I, whoever is the editor for this, I should, yeah. I should have looked yeah. up their their name. I'll look it up for next week. But the editor was fantastic. The way that they do the time jumps, the way that that Stephen sort of sort of has these episodes where he's like, "But wait, I was just what what's happening?" And then he finds a gun in his hand, or he finds himself covered in blood, or he finds himself in a different location. That the time jumps, the way that they did that throughout the whole episode, I thought was fantastic. But I really liked that it was something wholly original. Like, we're coming at this with no previous connection to this character. We're coming at this with no familiar setting. It's not like at one point, you know, uh, you know, Rhodey walks by and we're like, oh, but War Machine's here. So it's all good. Like, it was really something fresh and original and Oscar Isaacs, I think is I've always thought he's a, a really good performer and I and I thought he really did a good job of of sort of selling the just the absolute um confusion and and disorientation that that Stephen's going through in this episode. I thought that was was really really well done. And then mixing into that just some of these atypical Marvel things, you know, this is this was one of the darker things we've seen as far as like, it's there's some moments in there that are creepy and dark and shadowy. And that's not something we necessarily relate to the Marvel stuff. Although I think we're getting a little more so as we creep into the doctor strange multiverse of madness, madness of it all. And, you know, there's been some, some small tastes, but um, I really, I really think this is, this is something That I enjoyed more so than I think some of the other stuff, because it's, it's so, it's just so different. Tim?
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I I enjoyed the the sort of twisty sort of nature of it. I mean, he sort of, to me, it seems like he's got like this, uh, it's almost like he has a split personality. He can't remember um, what the other person that, uh, you know, incorporates his body does, like, you know... um, in you know, in what do you call it—the uh, disorders where they they don't have a, a personality disorders—they don't often know what the others are doing when they yeah, it's disassociative, I think is what they call it. Disassociative, yeah, exactly. That's the word I was looking for, but because um, I saw that described today earlier when I was looking at this thing, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was kind of interesting. I love the way the and it was really like you said, a really action filled. You know, that the the chase on the the windy roads and the mountains and you know. Um, Know, sort of the interactions with Ethan Hawke and and that kind of stuff, right? So, um, and that the woman he works for—holy cow! It, she got to go, <laughs> um, uh, Lucy Thackery. Um Yeah, she's just and and you know the the just the, just the way he sort of fish out of water. And it's funny that this episode is called the Goldfish Problem, and it's kind of like you know. He it's almost like he's literally taken out of out of water and then, you know, the, the sort of twisty part is that, you know, earlier in the episode the the goldfish clearly only has a stump of a w of a you know, fin in the front in the beginning of the story and then turning at the end and then he loses three or four days, you know, regularly it seems, right? Because so, he misses a date with this woman and yeah. you know, and, and we don't we we're right along with him, right? So Yeah. Like we miss it too, so yeah, good. I, I mean, completely. Ref- I mean, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. I thought I was going to get another. You know, not having ever read the comic or whatever. I thought we were just going to get another. Uh, um, was that one with the um, the Captain America dude, not the Captain America? The, oh,
2: Falcon and the, the Winter Soldier. The
1: uh... oh, yeah, the Winter so- Yeah, I thought we were just going to get another one of those. You know, kind of like let's punch everybody in the head. Kind of you know, comic book story. But this is this is quite different. Sort of in the same sort of way that that. Um, you know, WandaVision was kind of refreshing because it had a different sort of take on
2: things, right? So, Well, and we talk about this the strengths of Marvel storytelling over the past decade has been this diversification. It's that they're not just telling comic book origin stories over and over again. It's that they're telling a comedy and a horror and a high-intensity drama and a Shakespearean story. And they're really... Pushing their characters into different genres beyond just what you sort of expect from a, a comic book story, and I think that's why One Division worked well, and I think that's why Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't as much. Although I thought it was good, I feel like it was a little bit more sort of tried and true action comic booky kind of thing. Yeah,
1: that's what I, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, it's kind of like just another you know Avengers kind of. Thing,
2: yeah, right? whereas this really feels like you know this is kind of like
1: like Loki was twisty and you know, yeah. Like, just off the like it's it's on par with with loki in terms of weirdness by the way just a quick question so i was in a a meeting today and at the beginning of the meeting um they put up a poll and they said you know what do you like better marvel or dc now i think that's a tricky question because you know clearly if you're talking about the last you know 10 15 years marvel has been you know eating dc's lunch Mm -hmm. on when it comes to movies right but you and I both know that you know the the DC universe goes back to like amazing characters like Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, mm-hmm. and Spider Man, right? Well, Spider Man's Marvel. Spider-Man? Oh, sorry, yeah. But but you know what I mean? Like like Batman and and Superman have clearly been like the favorites for a long, long, long time. And it's kind of like you know, as somebody who's older. <laughs> You know, when I'm asked w- whether I like DC or Marvel, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago or or more, I might have said DC because of the whole Batman and Superman thing, right? Um, but and and you know, but I mean, the, the you know, clearly, you know, like in in mo- modern pop culture movies and and TV shows now, Marvel is definitely a, a notch above, right? Terms of execution.
2: Yeah, it's it's yeah. tricky, and, it, and actually, I think it leads well into our in our next little bit that we we were going to talk about, sort of the Batman, which which you and I and and uh, and my son went to see last weekend. Yeah,
1: some of the best superhero movies we've seen in, in the last you know ten years have had the Batman in it. Well,
2: and that's know? it. So that's the tricky part: is what are they doing right with Batman that they're doing? wrong with others, you can make a case that they haven't made a great Superman movie since 1980. The last great Superman movie was Superman 2. And there's been five since then. Whereas Batman seems to never fail. And as much as George p- Clooney and... You know um, what? It still made money. Like, it, it, obviously oh, it's, could, yeah. it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, terrible, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it can't be Garbage. I mean, those both of those second the the second pair of movies, um, you know, w- were not great, but they did well at the box office and they they accomplished what they were supposed to. And and to be honest, like there was an unrefined audience for comic book fair at that point. They would not have been ready for what we saw last weekend. They they right. oh, in nineteen ninety eight or whatever that came out. They would not have been ready for the Batman, the Matt Reeves dark, dark night kind of interpretation. Mm -hmm. We had to get there. Mm -hmm. But that being said, you know, Marvel obviously has stumbled onto a formula that's worked really well, and that's that connectivity between its universes. And one of the reasons why the Nolan interpretation of Batman worked well, and one of the reasons why the Batman has worked so well is it's disconnected from that larger storytelling. And it made me think as we were watching that, that this is probably the best direction for DC to go going forward is stop trying to universe build and focus on telling great stories. And if there's an opportunity to overlap characters, cool, but stop forcing it, stop doing what the, what the, 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 the The Joneses are doing down the street. Focus on telling great stories with the great characters you have. And if it requires a story that that crosses characters over, cool. But just focus on, like, you have, as you say, 90 years of amazing stories on which you can leverage. That's what uh, something else that Marvel's done is taken its best stories and sort of told them differently across the screen. You know, the Infinity Saga, uh, you know, at all. I think. The, the best thing that DC can do to get back in the competitive game is just to tell good stories. And the Batman is a great example of that. It's, it, you know, I didn't love everything about it. I um, I don't, I'll be honest, I, I think other than Harry Potter, I don't think I've ever seen a Robert Pattinson movie in my life. I know he has people <laughs> who love him. And I know he has people who yeah. don't love him. I thought he played a great Batman and an okay Bruce Wayne uh, he was a little gothy, a little emo-y for me uh, as a Bruce Wayne. Now I get that they're trying to do Wait,
1: emo. Emo is not that comedian guy you're talking no, about. No, no, like... not a
2: different kind of emo. No, oh, okay. no, he was just uh, the whole oh, emotional. You mean? Yeah, is that what you mean by emo? Yes. Oh, okay, gotcha. The okay. Yeah. the whole thing with his, you know, his hair falling in his face constantly. Yeah, and like comb your hair. He looked a yeah, little exactly. a little 1980s goth kitty for my tastes. But
1: and he only wore he only wore a tuxedo once in this movie. Well, right? but again,
2: and I get what they're going for. This was supposed to be Batman Year Two, right? So he's not supposed to be fresh at it, but he's still oh, okay. supposed to be relatively new. So he makes mistakes. He's not as polished, and he hasn't found the need yet to be Bruce Wayne, billionaire distraction, as the opposite face to who he really is, which is the Batman. So I I get what they're going for there, but. The strength of this movie is that it's built around a really good villain and a really good, well-told mystery of how it all pieces together. And it's a slow burn in the, the same way that if you took him out of that bat uniform, it would just be a good crime noir story. And that's what Batman's always been its strongest. And that's perfect, and it was genius of them to to go at it that way, and frankly, long overdue for them to go at it that way. The only time I've ever seen them do that well over the last number of years outside of comic books is, frankly, Batman the Animated Series did a great job of having him be the detective. I just feel like they need to start leaning into the strengths of the characters they have. They need to start leveraging some of the amazing stories that have already been told and and telling them a little bit differently, like this. and stop trying to just copy what you know like marvel started creating the avengers so they were like cool we'll create the justice league we'll we'll slowly unfurl all these characters and we'll have them all come together well you know what marvel captured lightning in a bottle it's not something you just whip off it doesn't work like that you know so i I hope that they don't take this as a Sign that they need to do things like oh well now we'll have Robert Pattinson be the leader of the new you know we'll rebuild from here it sounds like this movie is meant to sort of exist outside of the DCEU and it's you know it's they've created this very rich world that they can build just a Batman universe around. Cool. Now, if you want to expand this, tell me another Batman story or tell me a Catwoman story set in this same universe or tell me a Nightwing story set in this universe. You don't have to be like, and now we got to team them up with Superman and Wonder Woman right away. Like, just focus on telling me good stories. And, you know, again, good start. A plus effort. Go, go, go. Keep going. Don't don't drop the ball like you have the last 20 years.
1: Of course, Hami has not seen it, so what do you think about it, Hami?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't, spo- I it's I didn't been spoil doing it. Well, good well, right? I thought I tried to do pretty spoiler-free. No,
1: no I feel like I'm still unspoiled,
0: and it it seems like it's been doing pretty well. So glad to glad to see that it, it's it's made more money future. now than
2: any of the DC EU movies. It, I read that today on, I believe, Entertainment Weekly, that it is now the highest-grossing DC movie. Uh, from the last 20 years and it, it's beaten out wow. all of those ones that were supposed to be interconnected and rebooting and blah, 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 blah. So again, tell a good story and people will come and word of mouth will take off and social will go and Rotten Tomatoes will will expand and, you know, like focus on telling good stories. Stop trying to world build. Just tell good stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, good. Cool. And that being said, Jaime, when you get the chance, go for it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be good. It's definitely it's definitely worthwhile. I mean, we saw it in IMAX, um, and it was on a it was a slow night. It wasn't it wasn't. I mean, there's probably like thirty people. Yeah, in the I would say there that. was
2: like less than ten percent capacity. Would be my guess.
1: Yeah, and we were able to sort of get relatively distance seats from other people, right? So, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> although one of us might have <laughs> been having some health problems that we found out later yeah. about.
1: Yeah, yeah, anyway. That won't get in the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, for obvious reasons. Mm, yeah, so let's move on to the watch list. So I I, I guess I'll go first. Um, so yeah, I was, I was sort of hinting at this earlier that uh, the Ready Room, uh, from last week's episode for The Watcher, uh, had Leah Thompson in the hot seat with, uh, with the ever-effervescent uh, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton? Um, Will Wheaton, yes. And... Um, so definitely worth a watch. We've got a link here in the show notes uh, talking about, you know, obviously her experience working with, uh, and there's a bunch of clips flowing around too on, on the ready room and on star .com of the actors talking about uh, their experience working with her, you know, and, and showing some of her, her, the fun and, and, uh, you know, how she was able to, you know, let uh, the actress who played uh, Rafi, you know, really get into the whole loss of Elrond and not Elrond, um, uh, <laughs> What's an Elnor? The loss of Elnor. And um yeah, and just sort of the the fun that they had, you know, working with her and and sort of even even still sort of thinking, Well, this is Leah freaking Thompson from Howard the Duck, you know? <laughs> but uh <laughs> That's my
2: favorite new bit. I love it. I love it so much.
1: <laughs> anyway, so uh it yeah, definitely worth watching. Um you know, talking to her about, you know, certain, he does talk to her about some of her her um uh experiences from from other other sci-fi things for which she's she's been in a few other sci-fi movies i can't remember what they are off the top of my head something but, about the future they don't, uh no, they have no Delorean or so i don't know yeah they're, they're pretty quacky but um anyway uh yeah the what said something about a delorean oh delorean oh yeah 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 but yeah my nephew's car yeah exactly. that's right um anyway he doesn't listen to the show don't worry about it um yeah, so definitely, definitely worth watching. I mean, it was it was an interesting inter-
2: interview talking with her. Um, yeah, and she did episodes and then, two and oh no, she did episode three and four. Jonathan Frakes did right. this week's episode. Yeah, so, so, I, so I don't right. know if they're just okay. doing two a piece. So Frakes might be doing next week's as well. But yeah, maybe maybe uh, was he? I guess he must have been in
1: Toronto for that. No, no, they're doing in California, California videos, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 cool. All right, and the next link I got here I got from friend of the show number one fan. Drum roll, please. Xavier Cooline. Um, uh, a piece by ryan reynolds called Cybersecurity Skincare, and skin Care. And, he, and he goes in, he's talking i guess he owns a football team now or a soccer, soccer team
2: yeah cones
1: yeah. yeah yeah football let's call them football team let's call them what they are and uh talking about uh our favorite app the number one app on the, for password management on uh more than just code one password um talking about how you know 1Password helps you with your family and with your security and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of it, he starts talking about skin care. So, yeah, definitely worth uh, worth checking this one out. It's pretty funny. Um, it's been making rounds around, uh, around uh, uh, amongst IT people as well. Like, I've seen it on other places. But, uh gets a shout-out for putting it up here first. And then uh, over to Jaime for... Uh, didn't we talk about time, Turning Red before? Well, it, I had not seen Turning Red or Spider-Man No Way Home um, oh I oh th- so th- these are these, these are these are like we're gonna i'm supposed to edit these into like a couple of weeks ago show or i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> no it's more like you know uh
1: another plus one for turning red uh, the it's... american perspective on turning red let's hear it yeah so oh, I... before before you get into that my my niece um my you know justin the the one who owns the delorean and alicia both went to a school in scarborough which was the setting for the school in turning red there you go did you know that cool yeah I mean. so i don't
0: understand the people out there who didn't find turning red something that they could um identify with or get into because i say this is somebody who is uh you know not a woman not chinese not canadian and i found it very understandable and relatable so i think it's great oh
1: yeah but you like paw patrol <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be clear, with Paw Patrol, I said, whoa, this is better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be absolute rubbish. And it's not great, uh, Paw Patrol, that is, but it feels like, man, people actually tried on this project, <laughs> you know? Uh, it wasn't going to win Academy Awards, you know, with the Paw Patrol material, but like, man, they they got their closest to trying to do it, though, <laughs> you know? It's... um it's it's rocky one right where, where rocky loses he loses at the end of the movie mm. spoilers but he loses at the end of the movie but it was about like oh, he showed how he could go toe to toe that's the uh the paw patrol crew um but coming back to turning red i thought it was you know pretty pretty relatable um it is at a very high high level it is essentially the same story as encanto of like family is the true villains
2: kind of thing <laughs>
0: There's no like you know straight up villain in this movie that's it's it's family that's the the antagonist at the very least but that way and um other than a couple of things where they said I, I know we've said this on the show it was like a, uh she puts on a beanie to cover you know her hair and it was like oh why are you wearing the tuk? or whatever it is y'all y'all called over there oh that's yeah. right that's True. right it's a it's a beanie that's what they call it over there and the sky dome I was like is that like a made up thing or is that like the previous name where the Blue Jays played? And apparently it was the old name that they would have used back then for where the Blue Jays play. So it was originally called the SkyDome, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, but but like I don't know, right? Cuz I'm not from Toronto and I'm not Canadian, so so like... before you go too far into that one. So originally they they had a sort of contest to see what people would call them and one of our big sports owners was a guy named Con Smythe. So they thought they should call it the Condome. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it was actually a contest. That's the best part of the the original naming of that building. It was in 1989 when the Blue Jays moved there. They were they opened it up and made it into a contest. Like, name the dome. And I cannot imagine how many filthy things got put into that contest. Like, so just too many funny things. But it, Sky Dome is what won. And the person who won... Uh, The contest. I think there was multiple people that put that in, and then they did a draw, basically, of those people. The the one person who ended up winning it got, like, lifetime seats at the thing. And then, like, 15 years later or 20 years later, they decided to change the name after the team was bought by Rogers Communications, which is the biggest telecom company in the the country, I think, next, maybe tied with Bell, I don't know. Uh, And... It, theoretically, it's not named after Rogers, the corporation. It's named after Ted Rogers, who is the owner of it. There's a statue of him outside. Not a statue of Roberto Alomar. Not a statue of Joe Carter. Not a statue of any of the people who are like on the in the Hall of Fame that have played for the Blue Jays. But one of Ted Rogers. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. Uh, there are still people who, on principle, will not not call it the Skydome. There's a lot of us that still call it the Skydome because we're like. Stupid corporate sellout nonsense! It's down the street from the Air Canada Center, right? Well, that's right. The uh, the uh, the Air Canada Center, now also known as Scotia Bank Arena, which I refuse to play that game too. So, but did the guy lose his his lifetime seat? I so? don't think so. But you know, I'd be miffed if I if I was like, oh, my legacy. I'm gonna tell my family for years. I dine out on the fact that I named this place. Nope. Wow. Anyways, sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt there. I mean, I just uh, that, that.
0: No, that's, that's, that's good insight to um, like I said, like there were you know a handful of things because not Canadian, but like nothing that will actually matter in any important way to the enjoyment of the story, right? It was more of the understanding what was going on in Canada around that time. Um, bits, but the the, the the basics are there. You know, they certainly dealt with. Uh, it's kind of weird to call Canada like a. Exotic foreign (laughs) (laughs) lands but you know if you've dealt with like exotic foreign lands and other Disney films, you'll 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 enjoy turning red. So I I liked it. And my second one here is you know I'm late to the game for Spider-Man No Way
1: Home. Uh, Finally got to wait. Wait wait, before you move on. Before you move on. Sure. The name of the school is the Ode Ord Street Public School. O R D E. There you go. Now we know. And the kids are all, all the kids who went there all thought it was haunted because it was so old. There you go. Back to you, Jaime. Cool. So
0: for me, um I was very late to the game with Spider-Man No Way Home, but saw it
1: uh this past weekend on digital. Was that the movie it think... was on last year?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I stayed uh, relatively unspoiled, I think. Uh it surprisingly. Not not for everything, but I was like, oh okay, I, I still went into this without really knowing what was gonna happen. I'm not gonna spoil it here. I recommend you all go see it if you uh if you haven't and um uh, if you haven't seen it go watch that first and then watch my actual pick here which is this youtube short which kind of goes in line with my beliefs without spoiling anything i think peter's main decision that causes a lot of the drama was the wrong decision it's in line with his character i'm not disagreeing with that but like I was yelling at the screen. What are you doing in <laughs> this short? Just a great job of like, yeah, exactly. That's what was going to happen when you made that choice.
2: Yeah. But did you enjoy it? Were you like, did it, did it resonate? It did. It did. Um, I, I do think it's going to be um,
0: somewhat challenging one for somewhat more casual fans of, of stuff. Like I, I, I'm kind of curious to see when uh, like my mother sees it, for example, I'm going to ask her what she thought because. There's so many references and a lot of like, whoa, I can't believe they brought so-and-so kind of thing. Um, I, I can't believe how, how deep this cut goes. And uh, uh, I, I wonder if she'll pick up on that. And will she have the same level of uh, of enjoyment from the, the, the love letter to the fans? I think you all had described it as back uh, many moons ago. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it d- definitely is a movie that you can probably watch on its own but definitely serves better if you have that history with it, right? Yeah, I wonder if it's
0: um if it's like the lower decks of of uh, of Marvel sort of thing where um, it's got so much sort of packed in there and I, and I kind of wonder if I even caught everything. I probably should go find a website that covers that. I wonder if I even caught every reference.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot. That's my only sort of criticism of that movie. Is it's it is it's a lot. There's a lot packed in there. Indeed, indeed. All right, I got a couple things. Uh, one, uh, I just started, so I started watching uh, Peacemaker. The uh John Cena spin-off from The Suicide Squad. Uh, it's produced by James Gunn. It definitely has uh carries over the sort of uh sense of humor, the sort of uh, quirky, weird side of the DC EU, but like takes it up like eight notches from there. Like it's it's bizarre. It's really weird. It's so fun and funny, but just like Really weird. It's really, really weird. Uh, you know, <laughs> the show starts uh, like the opening credits are like a dance number with like. People in costume dancing and like it's it's super weird. The the whole thing with his sidekick, his sidekick is an eagle that is is computer generated and, and acts really weirdly and that like at one point gives him a hug. Like it's just it's so it's so very weird. But I I gotta admit I laughed my ass off. I loved it. I I totally cannot wait to watch more of it. Uh, so yeah, I'm I I'll report back when I finally power through the whole thing. But I sat down just sort of not sure what. To, what to expect based on the character. Cause the character in the movie, he's almost, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for, for suicide squad for people who haven't seen it, but he's, he's almost sort of this, this straight guy. Like he's, he does, he's not super funny. He's not. Um, yeah. He, he's, he's not the best part of that movie. And I wasn't sure what they saw in that that would lead to this, but Cena is hilarious. He's so deadpan and he's so earnest in who he is as a character, and he's great. He's so good. It's so fun. I I highly recommend both checking out Suicide Squad and then, and then checking out this. Although I will say, uh, if you don't want to or don't feel like you need to watch Suicide Squad, there's like a three minute, maybe four minute recap right at the beginning of episode one that basically gives you everything you need to know about who he is and how he ended up where he ended up and where you pick him up from. So uh, it's good. I will say just a big warning in the same way that. Suicide Squad was like pretty gross and over the top as far as the level of like violence and profanity and all that kind of stuff. This picks it up and takes it mm-hmm. up six notches. So you like there's sex and sexuality, there's extreme violence, there's uh language there. Every like, this is a hundred percent adult show, but uh in, in a very good way, it's very, the boys and as a matter of fact, it's even more so than The Boys, because it's it's deliberately hyper-violent, hyper-sexual, hyper-ridiculous, hyper-reality. Um, but like I say, I've really dug what I've seen so far, and I'm I'm definitely, I'm in. Yeah, uh,
0: maybe the non-spoilery best quote I can had to look this up, I could think of from The Suicide Squad that describes this character from the movie. Very curious to see how that translates into the, the TV show is... I cherish... So he's called the Peacemaker. The Peacemaker, yeah. Right? I cherish peace with all of my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I kill to
2: get it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is... Yeah. The very core of the character. It's just so... He's so deeply flawed and they and they really explore that too because they they make a reference in the Suicide Squad to the fact that like his dad taught him you know every possible way to kill a person and you know every conceivable way to use a weapon and everything else and uh, not not too spoilery but we do get to meet his dad in the in the first episode and you're like oh okay this completely makes sense why he's crazy like it's just it's it's so good it's it's so so very good so yeah I'm 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 in on that one. I'm definitely going to watch more. the other thing I wanted to bring up was Morbius. And I just wanted to bring this up because we had had this conversation over the last couple episodes and I, I couldn't resist uh, taking a small victory lap because I was talking about how I just hate the fact that there's still this fracture in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where Sony's kind of got its license to do whatever it wants with a, a bunch of Spider-Man related characters. And even though Spider-Man has now been appropriated into the MCU we're still getting the the Venoms and and these sort of spin-off things this is the latest one set in in the Sony Spider-Verse it's it's coming out tomorrow for us, it'll be out for a few days by the time you hear this Uh, it is getting destroyed destroyed in its reviews it's currently the lowest rated uh, Marvel movie of the 21st century it's rating 20% on Rotten Tomatoes it is, um, I, I, I sent a link to the, the, uh, in our, in our, um, Slack chat the other day from cinema blend where the headline is, I didn't know it was possible to make comic book movies this bad anymore. And the the writer who I'm just gonna I'm gonna look it up because this dude was I really enjoyed his writing Eric Eisenberg for uh, for Cinema Blend just eviscerates this movie for a good you know uh, five minute read I, I recommend that one as well but it, he nails it he's like who wanted this it's 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 a, an origin story of a character that nobody knows that nobody cares told badly in a pocket of the MCU that no one knows, understands or cares about. And, you know, I just, I don't understand why they made this in the first place. And I'm glad that it's a disaster. I hope that it makes five cents at the box office and is just another stepping stone towards Sony stopping doing this. Mm-hmm. A little splash in the face.
0: uh, re- uh, uh correction of, of a sorts, similar to the way that
2: uh, Disney uh, pulled in the reins on the Star Wars films after yep. the sequels. Yep. A hundred percent that. And, 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 you know, the same way that they had to hit the reset button on the Batman movies after those two Joel Schumacher nightmares, you know, like I, I hope that this is a swift smack across the nose just for them to understand no Sony bad Sony, uh, that they need to, think a little harder before they throw away I'm guessing probably at least 150 million bucks to make a movie like this so I I'm, I I I feel very vindicated by the outcomes of this and I'm hopeful that this could lead to some some changes because I also think that in spite of obviously the recaps we've given on Sony's financial affairs ah, no no studio can afford to lose the kind of money that they stand to potentially lose on something like this It's not like they have their own streaming service, too, where they can be like, well, it didn't work here. We'll put it on a streaming service. People will subscribe so they can watch it. Like, they're going to do what? They're going to sell the rights to show this 20% Rotten Tomatoes movie on Netflix? Like, cool, cool, cool.
0: Your uh, your Sony PlayStation Plus Extreme Limited, Unlimited, you know, subscription. Game Pass be uh, a dollar more.
2: That's it. That's it. (laughs) That's That's exactly for no clear reason to make up for this, (laughs) to make up for the 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 revenue hole. For anybody wondering why their PS Five costs so damn much, it's because you just paid Jared Leto fifteen million dollars to be in a B movie. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, put that on a poster. Yeah, he's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, sure. What does he care? Like you know, Jared Leto takes big swings. Sometimes they hit, Mm -hmm. and he hits it out of the park. And sometimes. You have Morbius. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you. Where do they find you? I'm on
2: Twitter and Instagram is at GPK News. All right. And Jaime,
1: people want to get touch with you. I'm on Twitter is at Dev with the Hair. And as usual, my name is Tim Metra. T I M M I T R A on the torture machine is where you'll find me. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. 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 Bye.